Hey, hey, kids, you're listening to A Couple of Annoyed Grunt Boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right, we're the Simpsons podcast that discusses the beloved animated sitcom The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond and at random. Why 11 and beyond and at random, you ask? Well, you see, the entity known as the Wheel of Random cursed us to only watch those episodes because there's plenty of other podcasts out there that discuss those golden age of The Simpsons, that being seasons 1 through 10. And the Wheel of Random said, hey, you know what? Let's find if there's a couple of uh, schmucks out there that can review 11 and beyond and the newer seasons when they air. And that's us. And when I mean us, I mean I'm Annoyed Grunt Boy Craig. And with me is... Annoyed Grunt Boy Steve. Steve, how are we doing this fine, fine summer's eve? Feeling like a douche. Um, <laughs> no, I'm doing well. Steve, we're, we're in the dog days of uh, summer here. You know, in August when we were kids, there wasn't a lot of uh, new TV. It was always reruns. We were watching reruns of Simpsons, you know. Mm-hmm. But now, now TV's like, hey, it's August. Thing? Yeah, let's still put out new TV shows. Even in July. What's going on with this, you know? It's but uh, we never could get a break from TV. And I've been watching a couple shows. Uh, have you checked out uh, True TV's? Hold on. They have other shows besides Impractical Jokers. What? Yeah. 101 Places to Go Before You Die. Ah, uh, yes. Sorry, and uh Okay, sorry. Well, has the host, uh, actor, comedian Adam Pally, and uh, actor, comedian, uh, podcaster, uh, John Gabris. Yes. So, what they do is if you haven't watched the show, they just go around to a different city each week. It's only half an hour, and all they do is like pretty much get drunk or high and then eat food, and that's about it. Yeah. And uh, this week they were in Portland. Well, not I... this week, but the episode that aired was Portland. And yes. uh, have you, did you watch that? I did watch that. I'm a big fan of the show. It feels like if I would have a travel show, it's basically what I would want. Um, And so, yeah, I thought it was cool that they went to Portland, Oregon. I thought the episode that they did in Portland was really well done because anytime I've ever watched, and this is probably the same for anybody out there that has, you know, the city that you live in. There's a travel show that goes to their city. They do the mm, same three I know things you're that, going with this. that tourists do. And in Portland, I was like worried when they came, like they were only going to go to Pals Books, mm-hmm. Voodoo Donuts, yep, and then maybe like Mary's Strip Club or something. Like because we're known for like the stri- the strip clubs in Portland. We have so many strip clubs. We're mm-hmm. known for the Pals Books, and we're known for having Voodoo Donuts, which is a subpar donut place. And we've talked about it before, right? Pals Books, yes, is incredible and cool. And if you do come to Portland, that's definitely you do need to go to Pals. But I'm, yeah. I think as Portlandites, we're kind of tired of seeing that on TV because it's like us growing up and just as adults, like yeah, like that was just so common to us. We probably thought that Pals Books was a thing in every city. I know. I think it'd be weird if I were to move out of Portland because I'm so accustomed to having Pals here. Yeah, but you're right about Voodoo Donuts. Like it's funny when I talk to tourists and. They think that we all, as a city, are really passionate about donuts. (laughs) Just because aside from Voodoo, we have Coco and we have Blue Star and we have all these donuts places. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like I like donuts every once, like maybe every three months. Yeah, Yeah. And I'll have like three and I'll feel gross and then I just don't want them anymore. And it's also like Woody Allen said about pizza is the same thing about uh, donuts. Mm-hmm. They're only good if you adopt them and then fuck them. <laughs> no, but any majority of donuts, like even if they're bad, they're good. Like your local Safeway apple fritter is just as good as yeah. some artisanal or artist anal donut store. But going back to what I'm saying about the show, 
uh, 101 places to visit before you die. They did a good job of showing Portland and things that even as myself and Steve could attest mm-hmm. to, like places that we didn't really even consider or even know about. Like they show us like a cool place where they grow or just the process of selling uh, legal marijuana. Like that mm-hmm. was neat. They go to a tattoo parlor, which Steve and I, of course, don't have tattoos because we want to be buried in the Jewish cemetery. Of course. You know, then going to like a like a bar that I'm like, wait, this is not like if they were to go to like a dive bar, I would expect them to go to like Yamhill. But if they went to a bar that I don't even know about because it's probably a place that I would oh. never gone to. So the Real Man Cafe or the Real Man Saloon where they went, uh, the dive bar, does make some of the best fried chicken in Portland. Okay, so yeah, I know that. But it is very much like an authentic hole in the wall. Like, so I, we know my last name is Lutz. And if you don't, that it is. And who cares? But uh, there's uh, a... T- Steve, you know what? That's your stage name. That's if right. you really want to admit your real name later in this podcast, we can. And maybe I don't I'll think I it. will. But if I do, if I do let it slip, then that's fine. I think I think it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm very protective about it, but all right. But there's a tavern here in Portland called the Lutz Tavern. And I used to go there. I'd show my ID and I'd get like a free Pabst or free cheap beer. And it was kind of cool because it was a dive bar. But then I hadn't gone in a few years and I came back and it was like the TV imagining of a dive bar. So like they had like a lot of bullshit on the walls and like a lot of wood paneling, but it's all really gross. There was like manure on the walls. Why would you go there? I don't know. It like it was really stinky, too. I bet said homer's rules on it (laughs) Um, but no like they just kind of they fancied it up and so they lost some of the dank and without the dank what do you got dunk exactly (laughs) became a basketball team bar um but no it was just it seemed fake hole in the wall fake divey and it just didn't have the same feel so i'm glad that they went to a an actual dive bar all right well hey look at me the ignorant one of i mean i don't guys you know now i don't actually live in portland (laughs) Also, neither of us ever go out. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping they went to Palace Books, but like, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> I ordered from them something from there online. And there's a Voodoo Donuts in my town where I live now. Yeah. I think Voodoo Donuts is in like Texas, isn't it? Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, but I'm glad they went and got drunk at a bar, which is something I used to do, but I don't because uh, I had to stay at home and drink. Speaking of drinking, it's time for our favorite segment, The Simpsons Beer Corner. (laughs) All right, Steve, what are you going to be drinking this week? Oh, well, Craig, this episode features guest star of Kim Cattrall, and she was also on a sitcom called Sex in the City. And, you know, a lot of people talk about the four women, but they say that New York was like a fifth character. And when I think of New York, I think about getting a hot dog on the street. Um, And, you know, some people have some very strong thoughts about what can and cannot go on a hot dog. And so I have, that's what happens when you put ketchup on a hot dog, a collaboration between Short Throw Brewing Company and, I'm going to say this carefully, Hoof Hearted Brewing. That's Hoof Hearted. We've had them before. And this is a Goza-style ale with raspberry, passion fruit, lime, coriander, and Pinot Noir salt. And the can is, I would say, not kid-friendly because it features the drawing of a naked man skiing down a hill covered in what appears to be either ketchup or blood across his chest. And uh, you can't see any hog, but he is uh, clearly naked. Well, it's like uh, much like uh, Homer in this episode. He's going to be walking on stilts naked. Yeah. And that's kid-friendly because 
Lisa walks by him. That's true. So I guess it is kid friendly. But uh, yeah, so it is uh, 7% alcohol and they recommend you drink it at 46 degrees Fahrenheit. And it does have a lovely uh, pink color. It's a little thick and uh, looks juicy. Smells of raspberry. Raspberry is really That's comfortable. what she said. Oh, oh. I'm coming. Me too. Ah, that's a good beer. Very intense. Very sour. The raspberry comes through right away. And then you get the hint of lime. And then you do get the hint of this, the Pinot Noir salt. It's just a little like tart and tangy. And this is like not a gulper. It's a sipper. And, you know, you probably only do about one, but it's a good sharing beer. It's a lot of fun. It's very interesting. And so it's definitely a weird beer, but I like it. So, yes, that's what happens when you put ketchup on a hot dog. So they're mixing wine flavors and a beer? Yeah. Oh. I thought I'd broaden my horizons because, you know, beer is great, but wine can also be good sometimes. Yeah. Oh, like a sipper there. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, All right. So my turn, teacher. <laughs> what have you got for us, student? <laughs> I, too, had to pair the ale this week to relate to the fine actress, as we know, as Kim Catarell. Mm-hmm. That's probably how uh, James Lipton would have said her name, Kim Catarell. Was she ever on, yes. on the actor studio? Probably. Who knows? Yeah. Everyone was. Even we were. Mm-hmm. Steve's favorite naughty <laughs> word was bleep because it was so offensive. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Like even Quentin Tarantino wouldn't write that or put that word into one of his scripts. Yeah. And he loves to say the N word. Spike Lee like put a fatwa on, on Steve for that line. Andrew Dice Clay was like, oh, too buff for me. Uh, but Lenny Bruce was cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> Lenny Bruce like, <laughs> could you imagine if like Lenny Bruce was alive? Like what the comics say now? <laughs> he like, wow. I said vagina, and I had to go to jail. <laughs> Dave Chappelle said what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, a long segment. So, yeah, Kim Catterell, or Cattrell, she's been in a lot of lot of things, Steve. Mm-hmm, and... Yeah, okay. And, of course, she's pretty much known for her 2006 movie where she played uh, Jan O'Leary. You know the movie I'm talking about, Steve, right? Of course. The Tiger's Tale. Mm-hmm. Everyone's favorite Kim Cattrall uh, movie. You know, also had uh, Brendan Gleeson in it. You know, it was oh. written directed by John Borman. Everyone knows this, right? Of course. Don't forget the wonderful acting styles of uh, Stanley Townsend. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Tom Vaughn Lowrow was also in it. He was Larry Cooney. Don't you remember? Come, everyone's seen The Tiger's Tale. Of course. Probably won Best Picture that year. And Anyways, so The Tiger's Tale, go rent it at your local Redbox. I'm sure it's there. Yeah, of course. So Tiger's Tale, Steve. Tiger's Tale. Hmm. hmm. Their, their tail is, is what? how would you describe their tail? If you were to rub it. If I rubbed a tiger's tail, I'd say it was yeah. soft. Yeah. Furry. But, fuzzy. Fuzzy. I like that. Yeah. Fuzzy Tail Hefeweizen is what I'm going to be drinking tonight. It is from uh, Sun River Brewing, of course, out of uh, Sun River, Oregon. Mm. It's a refreshing wheat ale with a light citrus touch. 5% alcohol, 20 IBUs. The can's not kid-friendly. I don't think it's really that appealing friendly either. <laughs> it's just a like goldish can, yellow, like a beer with black font, the Sun River Brewing logo, which is a circle with a river that kind of is supposed to look like an S, I think. But they're like, oh, it's getting too close to maybe like the Safeway logo. So maybe we should probably hold off. If they just would have like taken that part of the river and put it up there, then it would have been S. Uh, but I'm not talking about the graphic design. Also has like two feather, three feathers, fuzzy tail. Yeah, it's it's not kid friendly and it's not 
This sounds like it's not interesting. Yeah, but let's see if this Hefeweiz is interesting. Now, we've done many hefts on this. Uh, Steve did a half last week. That's true. And and we've learned to finally appreciate like the legit German hefts and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. So the American ones now are to us are just like, honestly, like the Budweiser Coors Light of Hefeweiz. And so <laughs> here we go. Okay, so I get a very, very, I do get the fruity flavor. So a lot of Hefeweizens will instruct you to put like an orange or a lemon. Mm-hmm. This is right now, you definitely get the citrus. You don't need to add the fruit. So if you get this, don't need don't need to buy a lemon or an orange. It's very citrusy. Honestly, for like a lot of the Hefeweizens that they say they're like the citrus is added or you don't need the fruit because there's a lot of them that do that. Mm-hmm. This one, I think, excels at that. So even though I don't like the can and the logo, <laughs> I think this is a very, this is probably one of the best summer hefts I've had in wow. a while. The, the sweetness doesn't feel artificial. Sounds like a good beer and a good person because the sweetness is genuine and it's what's on the inside that counts. Yes. Don't judge a book by its cover and don't judge a beer can by its cover like I just did. There you go. Uh I think this is like the the summer ale. Like I'm, I know the summer's kind of winding down here, but I wish I could go back in time to the beginning of summer and just <laughs> crack open a couple of these, sit by a fire pit. It's very refreshing. Give it a go, everyone. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. And with that, is the end of our beer corner. It's time to get down to our business. Sober up and do our duty, Steve. Sounds good. We are sober men and true and attentive to our duty. Let's do go back in time and do our duty and talk about uh, the year of 2004, specifically December 5th, 2004, when this episode aired. So, Steve, what was the number one movie in the box office? Well, Craig, the number one movie on the box office was the Nicolas Cage classic and uh, just all around good fun, National Treasure. (laughs) National what? Treasure. Are you saying treasure like Frasier? National Treasure. Oh, for God's sake, Stephen, say it correctly. National Treasure. Which now is like, uh, isn't there a, a Disney Plus show? I, I think it is, yeah. But no one's going to want to watch it, or no one's watching it, because I'm assuming no one's watching it, because uh, Nicolas Cage isn't in it. Right, he's the reason why it's good. <laughs> so it's like, all right, we're going to make a Indiana Jones TV show for Disney Plus. Harrison Ford's not in it. Oh, so you're going to do uh, Young Indiana Jones? No, no, no Indiana Jones. It's going to be Indiana Jones. And his students. So it's just the students when Indiana Jones is off doing an adventure and it's just college class. It's just like, oh, just right. substitute again. It's called Indiana Jones and his college class. That's what National Treasure TV show is. Yes. See, if you yeah, think hunt for funny, extra credit, yeah. it'd be like if they made uh, Sex in the City and didn't have Kim Cattrall. Oh, which is the reason people watch Sex in the City. I never did. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, I mean, she does definitely fulfill the sex aspect of the show. See, but I guess because I never watched Sex in the City. So here's what I know about Sex in the City. OK, it stars Sarah Jessica Parker's number one on the call sheet. Kim Cattrall mm-hmm. will probably be number two. And then I know there's two other women. Uh-huh. And one is played by uh mm-hmm. I think uh Rashida Jones. <laughs> she one of the No. Felicia Rashad. No. So the funny thing about Sex and the City is even though it takes place in New York, there are no oh, black well, people. Okay, well, sorry, you're right. Besides that, there's no black people. It's in the Friends of Verse, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh so number three in the call sheet would probably be New York City. Of course, yeah. Okay. It's in the title, I mean. Yeah. So Sarah Jessica Parker, Kim Cattrall, New York City, uh, Mr. Big, which he's called that because of his enormous hog. Right, of course. There's a redhead, right? Yeah. Uh, Catherine Tate. (laughs) 
was a cat was a Catherine Tate England's roses up she goes by no. yeah uh the um, Miranda see I think I might yeah. know the names there's Miranda uh-huh. there's Wrights Miranda Wrights yeah that's her full name Miranda Wrights uh-huh. oh I think you're saying that that was her job <laughs> no because I know that Sarah Jessica Parker's name is uh Terry Bradshaw because they make fun of it no Carrie yeah. Bradshaw because they make fun of her name is close to Terry Bradshaw, and then one of her other friends named is Miranda Wrights. Her last name is Wrights, and so they meet. That's how they. She's meet, a lawyer. Right? Yeah, because that's how they meet. Right? They're they're in a, in a support group for comedic names, name people. <laughs> yeah, so there's Terry Bradshaw, Miranda Wrights, Kim Cattrall's character, Samantha, right? Yeah, and her na- last name is a uh, Samantha Stevens, and everyone uh-huh. calls her a witch because that was the name of the bewitched character samantha stevens right and then the next character the last the fourth one is samantha carrie uh brenda is it brenda no it's not brenda uh fallacious (laughs) close uh steve what was the other the other one's name uh their first name is charlotte okay so charlotte and her last name of course is charlotte south carolina (laughs) right because she gets made fun of because because charlotte's in north carolina of course I know my geography, kids. Yeah. And you know, you were clearly well acquainted with the Sex and the City TV show. Now tell me, which one does machines? <laughs> uh, pretty sure that's... Uh, so there's Mr. Big. Mm-hmm. Was there Mr. Right and Mr. Left? <laughs> yeah. Like Mr. Right, his testicles hang lower on his right side than Mr. Left. His testicles hang lower on his left side. That's mm-hmm. how like, but that's how like to describe all the men they sleep with is by their penis, right? That's right. Because there's Mr. Big, Mr. Left, Mr. Right, uh, Mr. Green, Mr. White, <laughs> Mr. Black. Ah, <laughs> uh, the Simpsons. <laughs> Uh, we were well, once the Simpsons podcast. Were we talking about National Treasure? Yeah, so while well, we were watching National Treasure and thinking about Sex and the City, what were we listening to on our iPods? Well, Steve, we all know we were ushering in a new era of keys. That's right. It's My Boo by Usher and Alicia Keys. Scary. It's the response song to uh, Ray Parker Jr.'s uh, Ghostbuster <laughs> song. Yeah. There's always that one person that will always have your heart. You never see it coming cause you're blinded from the start Know that you're the one for me, it's clear for everyone to see Oh baby, you will always be it's my It's not a little about y'all, but I know about us And I, it's the only way we know how to rock I don't know about y'all, but I know about us And I, it's the only way we know how to rock Do you remember, girl? first kiss cause i remember girl i was the one who said put your lips like this all right we're gonna stop it there uh yeah this is kids bop seven and they're talking about kissing a girl okay yeah this is uh jared from subway's uh favorite uh kids bop didn't say about every kids bop about jared subway yeah probably it does sound like like it was like written for a lynn manuel miranda musical <laughs> i think that was lynn like this is before <laughs> He got really famous. Yeah. He just does kids' pop songs. I can see that. He was on a remake of P. 
PBS's electric company around this time. So he does. Ha- he is familiar with making children's programming. That that's an SNL bit, right? Like it's a passionate singer, like who's really good at their craft. And like the only studio gig they could get is they have to do the kids bot version of like popular songs. But of course, it's SNL. So it's all like like um, what's that? Uh, uh, like vagina wop. song yeah wop <laughs> the vagina song <laughs> it's like <laughs> i'm a trained uh i went to juilliard <laughs> i love that wet ass pussy <laughs> um but yeah uh <laughs> i'm glad we play the kids bot because they're just it's the worst and it's gross and yeah <laughs> and our listeners hate it and it's, it's probably a lot like... of fun for us <laughs> <laughs> all right well listen up we're gonna talk about the simpsons finally all right and we're in the year 2004 so steve let's talk about what happens it's the episode called she used to be my girl and uh in this episode marge meets up with a former high school pal guest voiced by i guess what kim cattrall oh yeah how about her um yeah she's famous now she's a famous anchor no she's not she's not on a boat that sinks to the bottom to keep that boat in place a news anchor. Oh. But Marge wonders if she made the right choice in life because of uh, uh, Marge's friend. So, uh, yeah, let's watch that. We'll drink our beers and we'll come back and discuss uh, She Used to Be My Girl. So uh, take her away, boys. We'll be right back. Was the one who gave you your first kiss? Because I remember, girl, I was the one who said put your lips like this. And we're back. Today we're talking about She Used to Be My Girl, the fourth episode of the 16th season. It originally aired on December 5th, 2004. It is episode 339 in the show's run. Your nerd code is FABF22. It was written by Tim Long, directed by Matthew Nasdaq, and your showrunner is Al Jean. Man, we're away from Tim Long for one week, and then he just pulls us back in. Can't get enough of that long. If you guys listen to it as the podcast airs, well, just a mere two podcasts ago, we did Todd Todd White House, Thou Forsaken Me. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we talked enough about Tim Long a couple weeks ago. We did a deep dive. So it's yeah, it's probably all still in your mind. You've, you've been standing around the water cooler at your mm-hmm. place of business, just talking about Tim Long because of us for about two weeks. Yeah. And you don't want to talk about Tim Long again at the water cooler. So you want to talk about, uh, I don't know, Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's back to Game of Thrones time, right? That's right. So I have to pretend like I care. Yeah. And be like, uh-huh, dragons, uh, incest, <laughs> and uh, boobs. I like one of those things. Yeah. You can also, I mean, one. you could also be talking about sports at the water cooler. I mean, like football season's probably starting soon, right? Again, I see yeah. dragons and incest and <laughs> yeah. boobs. What do you think of the offensive line this season? Oh, man. I've never been so offended in all my life. <laughs> But they got a good running game. Yeah, they do. They understand the fundamentals, and uh, I think in the long in the long game, you know, they've got the yardage to uh, get to first down and get those field goals. I'm just worried about uh, the injuries this season. You know, some of those guys. Those, yeah, can be real bad with the HDTV and the CRT and the and, and <laughs> CRT. <I'm not> too... <laughs> what about their uh, special teams? I mean, I think it's very open-minded of them. All right, enough sports talk, Steve. All righty. Let's just get on with this week's episode of The Samsons. We've got a chalkboard gag that says, poking a dead raccoon is not research. So, Mrs. Krabappel has an assignment for the kids that uh, she would like the students to observe nature, wildlife maybe, and then write a paper on it. And Mm -hmm. so, Bart's paper was just, I saw a dead raccoon on the side of the street. And so I poked up the stick numerous times until its guts and blood started gushing out. Yeah. And Krumbapa wasn't happy about that. So she said, Bart, stay behind 
And right, poking a dead raccoon is not research. That seems incredibly plausible. All right. I don't, I'm not happy about it, you know. No, but it seems like something Bart would do. And it seems like Krabappel would re-react thusly. All right. So, yeah. Now that I have deduced the chalkboard gag, I want you to deduce the uh, couch gag for the listeners. It's uh, everyone is sitting on the couch like normal, except they all resemble our favorite bartender. No, not Sam Malone, but Sislak. Explain that. Well, it's clear that Homer got killed by Mo, and so uh, Mo banged around for ten years with Marge till they all had kids that looked like Mo, and then uh, Mo became narcissistic because he was so proud of his kids. So he made a mold of his face and faced off Marge, so he could have a face of his own. <laughs> face off. Face off. Um, yeah, sounds plausible. All right. All we right. have explained everything. Let's explain everything in detail this week, okay? Just I'm all sure right. the listeners will love that. Yeah. We kind of already do. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing that you just saw. What do you think? <laughs> We're like uh, Heard Happily from uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah. We are the Annoyed Grunt Boys, and we are doing a podcast, which is what you are listening to right now on your device that plays podcasts. We're doing a show about a show, but we're not showing it. We're hearing it because it's a podcast. Which is weird because we're also characters, Stephen Craig. These are not our real names. No. I'm Lord Rex Banghard. And I'm Atticus J. Spoonweather. Look us up. We're on all the socials. Oh, yeah. Check out my football picks for this season. Also, English is not our first language. We actually can't speak English. We just use Google Translate to translate our actual language into the language that you listen, which is English. Yep. And nothing wins us down more than a nice glass of beer afterwards. Well, Steve, let's begin the episode. All righty. Our episode begins, as it always does, with uh, Bart attempting to feed pills to Santa's little helper. The pooch coughs up the uh, medicine onto the floor, so Marge suggests wrapping the pill in some cheese. The dog goes to eat the pill ensconced in a slice of American cheese when Homer interferes. Woohoo! Free cheese! Oh, Homer, that was for the dog! What happened to us, Marge? We used to feed each other cheese and laugh all night. Then came the heart attacks. <laughs> What's that rumble? It's a media circus. Woohoo! The circus! A media circus. Woohoo! I don't know the difference. ABC, CBS. Uh oh, the Christian Science Monitor has a flat tire. I'll get the spare. No, we must wait for God to jack us. In Springfield today, a sex scandal has brought in reporters from around the world. Why? Here's Fox News. The cause of all this commotion is mayor and suspected illegal immigrant Joe Quimby, named today in paternity suits by 27 different women. So Quimby's illegal. Yeah. Where's he, where's he from? Um, I don't know. Maybe from some uh, island off of Boston. <laughs> Maybe he is from Massachusetts, but uh, it's illegal to be from Massachusetts to live in Springfield. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> did you used to eat cheeses with your wife before the heart attacks every night? I mean... We're still kind of in the uh, mid-before uh, phase, so it's still you know, a lot of cheese together, but uh, I'm sure the heart, heart attacks will come very soon. Man, what happens when uh, one of us has a heart attack? Oh, boy. Who's going to co-host the podcast? I don't know. Speaking of, like, there was a scale in the living room, and uh, I got on it, and it was on, on a rug, and so I got on it, and I was like, oh, wow, I lost a lot of weight. And then I put it on the hardwood floor, and I was like, oh, that's a much more accurate and depressing <laughs> result was it and yeah was your weight air no it weighed a lot more than air 
Yeah. I'm a, I'm the biggest I have been uh my whole life right now. So yeah. uh, I'm after after Labor Day, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start losing some weight, Steve. Yeah, I think I might have to do the same. I'm gonna go on the uh, all cocaine diet, I think. <laughs> Work for Andy Dick. Andy Dick, you are what your last name is. Yes, that's true. In that clip, uh, we saw the banner with uh, for Fox News with the Bush Cheney flag. And uh, though we're not a political podcast, I think it is. This is the time when Fox News is really coming into itself and becoming <laughs> a teenager. The, yeah. <laughs> Well, the knowledge of a teenager, just dumb, simple-minded political beliefs. It's getting its uh, political pubes. Yes. But now and I think they've noticed that, well, they still get ratings for the lunacy, the lunacy that uh, their correspondents spew over the airwaves. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think that's kind of why they do spew such ridiculous things, because they like can say that like Biden is yeah a wolf dressed as a canary, dressed as an old man who is secretly a pedophile. And Wait, he's not? That's, I mean... The jury is still out as far as I'm concerned. I think he might be more of a wolf blue jay pedophile, but who's to say? I think he's just an ice cream cone with a human skin. Wow. That sounds delightful. <laughs> cannibal ice cream because he loves eating ice cream. Of course. I mean, if I was ice cream, I'd be a cannibal too. Sorry, Steve. You're going to be rum raisin. <laughs> At least I get drunk. Oh, they burn the rum. So it's not oh, alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, bummer. Well, I'll be pooping. Uh, speaking of... Uh, People of political power. We got uh, Mayor Diamond Joe Quimby. He pulls up to the town hall in his limo, bombarded by the media. We got Cookie Kwan there, and she's asking the mayor why he won't acknowledge her love child. She then hands him a baby, wherein Sasha reads, Mayor's baby. Very cute. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, The child lets out a cry that sounds uh, just like uh, the mayor's uh, accent, like the Kennedy accent. So Quimby then takes the baby and gives it to one of his bodyguards, telling him to raise the child as his own. And then the Secret Service guard places a pair of uh, sunglasses on the baby, and he gets like a nice like smile, like he's kind of happy. He, he's yeah. always wanted a baby, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, of course, uh, after he's got his kid, uh, he deletes all of uh, Mary Quimby's text messages about uh, January 6th. Huh, interesting. Uh, so the Secret Service, maybe I won't say anything about the Secret Service. Yeah. We know they're listening. They're always listening. If they were, we'd have uh, listeners. Well, that's true. Come on, listen to the ad breaks, buddies. <laughs> all right. Well, we got a clip here with uh, Marge and Lisa watching all that's all this that's going on TV. So uh, let's listen to that. Alrighty. This is the most exciting scandal since the juice was on the loose. The juice is still on the loose. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, just how many illegitimate children are you hiding? Can't I'm hiding nothing except this puppy. Aww. Look into his eyes and tell me I'm lying. Well, I'm placated, and so are all my friends in the local media. <laughs> I have a question. Chloe Talbot, Global News Network. Oh, it seems a big shot reporter from some major news outlet isn't satisfied. Well, if it isn't local news legend Kent Brockman. Hey, Kent, run over any more pedestrians? Those records are sealed. She's from Springfield. I knew her in high school. I didn't think anyone successful came from Springfield. What about that two-headed goat? Technically, he was born in Shelbyville. Yes, but he came here to die. One of them ate tin cans, the other one ate health food. How they solve crimes, I'll never know. That was such an odd odd joke, but I liked it. It, Yeah, there's a couple of, like, just out of nowhere jokes in this episode. Um, But that Chloe Talbot, that's uh, played by Kim Cattrall, best known probably for her role in Star Trek VI but also had a minor role on a some HBO sitcom called Intercourse in the Metropolis or something like that. That's the DC Comics version. Yeah. 
You know, you're talking about Kim Cattrall in, in uh, Star Trek Six. I know her mostly from uh, Police Academy One. Oh, right. Yes. And was she in Porky's? I think she was in Porky's. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, here's a fun as being a Star Trek nerd. Uh, legend has it that uh, Kim Cattrall did a nude photo shoot on the bridge of the Enterprise set. Wow. She only had her uh, Vulcan ears in because she played a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. And so apparently she did a whole photo set. And then ne- Leonard Nimoy, who played, uh, of course, Spock. Or maybe you guys know Leonard Nimoy as the director of uh, Three Men and a Little Baby. Oh, him. Uh, Three yeah. Men and okay. a Baby. I don't yeah, think yeah. he did Three Men and a Little Lady. He might have. I don't know. I don't think he did. <laughs> maybe Divorce Kelly directed that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, but uh, apparently he had all the photos destroyed and all the negatives destroyed because it was unauthorized. And he was afraid that if those photos ever came to light, that it would harm the franchise. Wow. Yeah, because what Star Trek nerd would hate would be so offended by, you know, a naked lady and a naked alien lady. Right. <laughs> Hadn't other Star Trek actors and actresses done nude scenes before. <laughs> right. Uh, Kim Cattrall has been naked a lot. Kind of her whole deal on Sex and the City is she likes sex. Wasn't Kim like I'm saying, like Kim Cattrall, like, didn't she do? I don't, I don't know. It's been like 20 years since she Porky's. I don't know if she was one of the actors that showed boobs or whatever, but probably I feel like she did. probably did. I don't know. Porky's is one of those movies that, uh, can you watch it now or is it so problematic or I yeah, I would imagine that like because I remember I did I watched uh Revenge of the Nerds not too long ago, a couple of years ago and yeah, that does not What are you talking about? You text me like I'm watching Revenge of the Nerds for the fifteenth time this week. <laughs> Love it. LOL. Boy <laughs> That ending was completely justifiable and not an issue at all. She was in Porky's. Yeah. Honeywell was her name. <laughs> is uh and then uh, she's not in the news. Sex and the City, uh, not reboot, but sequel series. What's it called? Correct. And and just like that. But but now, didn't I see that she is coming back? I think she might be for the second season of that show. Okay, because they didn't kill her off, right? They like she didn't die on a peloton or something. That was like Mister Big or something like that. Yeah, I never I never watched Sex and the City, but I just remember. Oh that. my god, we've we've talked about these things before that you've seen it all because of everyone yeah. you've dated. Exactly, and I think it's a uh, simple minded show that is actually offensive to women. To me, same thing me. could be said about uh, the Simpsons. In a way, yeah. <laughs> Especially this episode. But Steve, does this episode pass the Bethel test? We'll find out later. That's Let's right. Continue. Alrighty. So uh Chloe questions Mayor Quimby's loyalty to his wife, saying that she obtained an exclusive video. A TV is then rolled out onto a TV tower, which seems very old school to me looking at it now, because you could just show your phone the video. Mm-hmm. Um, but the TV's rolled out and a great grainy night vision uh videotape is played, showing the mayor in bed with Miss Springfield post coitus. Diamond uh, Joe tells his lover to read a sash. And she mistakenly reads it as major rather than mayor. After Quimby insults Mr. Springfield, the video stops. Chloe declares that the mayor is in trouble and that Springfield's newsmen are idiots. Kent Brockman then steps in saying that Channel 6 News rocks, promising a car chase every night or the weather girl wears a tube top. And if she doesn't, you win a pizza. I mean, it kind of like is the joke of Fox News as well, right? Because yeah. that was whole, uh, what's his name, scumbag that uh, Roger Ailes, mm-hmm. you know, had all... Like all the news women, especially in this time and up until, you know, the scandal that happened a few years ago, like they're all blonde women, short skirts, like oh, showing, yeah. showing legs. Rogers, what a piece of work. Yeah, that's putting him mildly. <laughs> but also, he's dead now, yeah. right? He's dead now, right? He's dead now, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he burned in hell. But also local news, too, is really bad about that, like just offering like trauma or horrible things every week or just local news is weird. But the fact they, that we rely on it for so long is absurd. But, in yeah, but, 
but uh, the women aren't in tube tops because uh, that would be wrong. Somebody owes me a pizza. <laughs> well, it's funny because like, you know, we've grown up in this area uh, our whole lives and mm-hmm. the newscasters on like the three, yeah, the three news channels that we have, ABC, NBC, Coin. Uh, four, four. So the four yeah. news channels, like minus the Fox affiliate, but like mm. the, the three, the ABC, CBS, and NBC, like the same anchors that were doing the news when I was a kid are like still yeah. doing the news and weather. It's crazy. I remember um, I would come home from kindergarten, like around noon or whatever, and I'd have to watch the news because I wanted to watch the Scrabble game show. <laughs> and like, I remember like a new correspondent starting and now they're almost retiring. Yeah. And so like, I've seen them kind of go through all of it. We had one local news guy that was very popular. And when he retired or quit just reading the news, he became one of the most right-wing conservative oh, yeah. news guys out there named Lars Larson. Yeah, he became a radio host and just Yeah. He's a real shit. He's trying he's to a, be yeah. he was trying to be a, a Limbaugh Jr., Rush Limbaugh Jr. Yeah. But he's a piece of work, so a lot of pieces of work around here. <laughs> I didn't say that a lot today. I don't know. I mean it's it's kind of polite, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's better than calling people assholes or scumbags, even though they are. Right. But uh if you're a piece of work it could be a good thing too. Like, you know, the Mona Lisa, that's a piece of work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> if you like pick up a shift at a restaurant, that's a piece of work. <laughs> oh, I remember one time, there's another segment about news, news guys. One of the uh, local meteorologists. Oh, Dave. Is it, is it Dave? yeah. I, did I tell you about the story? Like when I used to work in a pizza place, mm-hmm. he used to come in all like every once in a while, pick up a pizza, but he'd be like on his hog, not oh. his dick, but his oh. motorcycle. <laughs> and like, dude was fucking tall. He's like six, five or something. Wow. And I just remember one of the employees was like, that's that's the guy out of the bureau. It's the news. And like, are you seriously going to make a fuss of like yeah. a local meteorologist? And I'm like, don't go embarrass yourself, please. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't like uh, Estelle Getty walking in, ordering a pizza. Right. It's no uh, Marshall Warfield coming into the place. <laughs> then, then you could be ecstatic for that. Of course. Actually, right. I would be pretty excited about either of those. <laughs> yeah. Well, one Estelle Getty because she's dead. <laughs> Yeah, you're seeing a g- 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 ghost. And Marsha Warfield, uh, you know, I, I feel bad that she's not in the Night Court reboot. I mean, that we know of. Right. Maybe she makes a, a cameo. That's going to be, a, 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 if Steve and I ever do I Have Springfield, we, we've we made a promise about doing Futurama new season, right? Doing the first yeah. episode. And uh, let's make a promise that we're going to do the first episode of the uh, Night Court reboot. Absolutely. I'm I'm down for that. Which I believe won't uh, be coming until early 2023. So I think it's going to be a mid-season NBC show after they cancel whatever they're going to cancel on NBC this fall. Right. Better not be Quantum Leap. I'm telling you, that's my favorite uh, non-Simpson show. There's a new Quantum Leap? Yeah, it's coming out this fall, Steve. God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's what Quantum Leap man says. Here we go again. <laughs> All right, Steve, let's go back to uh, Simpsons. Marge <laughs> wistfully comments about how Chloe's success. Hoping to cheer her mother up, Lisa tells Marge that she's so successful and even pointing out of the uh, fair and wise chore wheel that she made, which features each family member on the outer ring. And then in the inner ring, there are following chores such as wash the dishes, mow the lawn, dust and vacuum, sweep garage, feed dog, and pick up dry cleaning. <laughs> So that means like feed the dog is like part of the chores. Like what if they never land on feed the dog? Like Santa's little helper is just going to die. Yeah. What about uh, the cat snowball too? Who's going to feed her or him? Yeah. What piece of work is going to feed that pussy? <laughs> uh, anyway, so Lisa gives the wheel a spin and it lands on Maggie, which is just really funny that Maggie would be on the list. Yeah. <laughs> and it's pick up dry cleaning. 
And then we see Maggie walk by struggling to stay upright as she lugs two garments on hangers wrapped in plastic. Uh, this might be like my favorite visual joke of the episode. It's pretty good. Yeah. Just the fact that Maggie has to go. <laughs> I just like the idea of like her getting on a bus. She's a baby. Mm-hmm. She can't drive. Of course. Yeah. And this is before Uber. Right. And, and she doesn't have money for a taxi. So she's probably got like a bus pass. Yeah. Toddler. But ba- baby's probably ride free on the bus. Yeah. I think like under five <laughs> probably rides for free. There so, you go. Yeah. So she's on the bus. Knows the stop. Mm-hmm. It's off. Cross <laughs> opens the door and hands the employee the uh, the ticket. Right. <laughs> they just like throw it on her. <laughs> you know when they do like how they're putting these Maggie adventures on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Hey, Al Jean out there, you're listening. I know you are. Scully, make this a Maggie adventure. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Maggie picks up the dry cleaning. It could be like a Baby's Day Out style adventure. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. And then like they sh- they should do this with like all the Maggie shorts. Like this. Ep- this Maggie short takes place during this episode of The Simpsons. So they're also like cross program, like, hey, like, Ooh, also watch yeah. this episode. I like it's this. like a little prequel thing. It's like they just put all, you know, those baby or I am Groot's on Disney Plus, like I am Maggie's. Mm-hmm. And then for syndication, they can like stuff those episodes within the episode. So it becomes, <laughs> it bulks up the episode and we can like make it run for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because then you can add more uh, ads. Exactly. <laughs> Smart. Steve, you and I should run uh, the Disney and every TV network out there. I completely agree. You're the ones who know the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Our network would be consist of, well, essentially, I think we are like FXX because it's yeah. like eight hours of Simpsons. And then like in the early mornings when people are asleep, it's the Cleveland show. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and then when everyone's going to bed, it's Family Guy. But primetime is all Simpsons. Yeah. But ours would be different. It'd be all primetime Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the morning we would show like the aforementioned Night Court. Right. Some kids in the hall. Cheers. Yeah. I'll throw in some news radio. Sure. Uh, other animated. We'll, we'll put in like some Futurama. We'll keep the graining going on there. Yeah. Seasons. We'll get the rights to Mission Hill. Sure. Bill, Bill, then Bill Oakley can finally uh, be on our podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, what else do we got there? Uh, let's throw the old. Uh, I always love the the old seventies, uh, eighties Super Friends show. That's good for Saturday mornings. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, if we can get the music or the film rights, we should show Muppet Babies too, <laughs> like the original one. That was really good. Look, we could probably get free content right now from uh, the head of uh, Discovery Plus because yeah. they got rid of like sixty kids cartoons off of HBO yeah, we, Max. We'll just take those. We'll yeah, give you we five have bucks. <laughs> two hundred episodes of Sesame Street. <laughs> I, they're going to give away for free. So, but what we'll do, we'll make it for the adults. We're just going to, you know, how uh, we'll just bleep out words. So it sounds like they're swearing. You know, like Jimmy Kimmel yeah. always does like the weekend of uh, once a week, he does unnecessary censorship. Yeah. So we'll do that with uh, all of our uh, kids' programming. So it sounds okay. like they're saying fuck and shit and <laughs> cock and suck yeah. and fucking beat is for beat. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, if you guys want us to be the head of uh, any network, uh, Especially like maybe like own. We'd be good at that one, right? Who owns that? Yeah. Uh, a little woman named Oprah. Oh, okay. We could give her 20 bucks for it. She probably, she's probably not rich, right? Yeah. She's probably suffering, needs the money. Okay. So we'll do own or uh, fine. We'll do Fox News. Yeah, that's fine. And then Tucker Carlson can do this podcast and we don't have to. <laughs> How did the podcast get worse somehow <laughs> and get more popular? <laughs> but with the same listeners? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, let's get back to this. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bart and Homer walk into the living room laughing, saying that they have a plan to profit off of Quimby's paternity lawsuit. Uh, so imitating Quimby, Bart claims that he, he is the that the mayor is his father, and then he asks for $1 million. Homer eagerly awaits approval, but all Marge can do is uh, offer a defeated sigh. Uh. <sighs> now I want to see that episode. <laughs> 
So outside the mayor's office, several pregnant women are protesting, chanting, Diamond Joe's got to go. Some signs being held up to say, Mayor McSlee's say yes to sperm limits. And Quimby, you pay now. Then Chloe Talbot stops Quimby asking for one question. So Chloe writes down her question and Joe immediately eats the paper and Steve vomits. Yep, that's gross. Don't uh, eat paper. Yeah, if you're a listener of this podcast, Steve has this weird... Uh, How was it weird? Gross reflux to like people putting paper products in their mouth, like paper or toilet paper Ugh. or even cotton oh. candy. Ugh, it's all disgusting. I, it's so gross. What about foil? What if I put just put foil in my mouth and start biting on it? Um, that's painful, but not as gross. <laughs> okay, it's weird. Like I understand, like that hurts because like it's just <laughs> yeah. your feelings, but that doesn't gross me out. But if you put paper in your mouth, <laughs> ugh, awful. All right. Well, as uh, Quimby does that, he says checkmate. And uh, then we have a clip here with <laughs> Chloe recognizing a familiar face. Marge, Marge Simpson, Chloe. Hi. Oh, where are you living now? Evergreen Terrace. Paris? Just like you always dreamed. Terrace. Evergreen Terrace. The street that smells like pee. This is my daughter, Lisa. Chloe, I really admire how you got out of Springfield and became such a success. Hey, only the Lamos stay. A and your mother, super lady. Mm-hmm. Well, it is good to see you, Chloe. Would you like to come over for dinner tomorrow? Oh, I'd love to. I'm getting so sick of these greasy catered meals. You insulted me. You insult Italy. Which is shaped like a boot. Who knew? So now it's established that uh, Evergreen Terrace, this is the part of town that smells like pee. Yep, it's a uh, street that smells like pee. I wonder who's responsible for that. I think we know. Maggie. <laughs> Oh, she's picking up drag things, yeah. peeing all over the place. <laughs> like a trail so you can find her way back. <laughs> like Hansel and Gretel, but with urine. Uh, so they do have that dinner. And uh, so the next evening, uh, Homer is reading the latest issue of Men's Fatness magazine, uh, getting tips on how to get bad abs in six weeks. Homer, if you need some help, I can show you. Hey, it looks like uh, who's the guy that's the parody of uh, Rush Limbaugh in the Simpsons universe. <laughs> the oh, yeah. Burr, burr, burr. Bill Burr. <laughs> Yeah, Bilber. Bilber Baggins. Uh, Birch Barlow. Yeah. There it is. Uh, the doorbell rings and Homer answers to find Chloe at the door. He shyly and cutely comments that he sawed her on the television, which I thought was fun. Yeah. Uh, Chloe responds that she remembers Homer from high school and that he barfed into her tuba. Homer corrects her, saying that it was technically the school's tuba. All right. So Chloe and the family all sit down for dinner and Homer is blown away by the kebabs that uh, she made. He states that they're the best thing he's ever eaten at that table. And Marge is shocked and insulted. Homer claims that he was just being polite. And then he throws the kebab skewers over his shoulder and out to the window. And then we see where those skewers are going. They're puncturing Grandpa, a.k.a. Abe Simpson. And uh, those wooden skewers are curing his back pain completely. So Abe just needs uh, acupuncture. That's that what we're learning. That's all, we're, that's all he needs. Yeah. But unfortunately, Homer throws one more, causing Abe to fall to the ground to his death. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm assuming he's dead now. Probably. Anyways, inside, Chloe and March compare their interesting lives in this clip we have, especially catered just for you. Oh, boy. I got the recipe for these in Istanbul. More. I was writing a story for Harper's Magazine. Harper's Magazine? I have a picture of Louis Lapham on my binder. Wow. Oh, but I've been yapping about myself all night. Marge, what's exciting in your life lately? Well, 
Oh, we finally found out why the dog was scooting around on his butt all day. Turns out he had an impacted anal gland. The excitement never stops. Chloe, would you like to see slides of our trip to Athens Boulevard Recreational Center? I'd love to. Oh, my show's on. Mind if we watch a little? I guess. Uh, the beginning of that clip there, where did she get the recipe from, Steve? Istanbul. I don't know by that name, Steve. Is there another name? Constantinople. Istanbul was Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, now Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople, now it's church delight. On a moonlit night. Every gal in Constantinople lives in Istanbul, now Constantinople. So if you have a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. <laughs> That's a fun song. It is a fun song. And it's also funny to me, like, every time I hear They Might Be Giants, which are a great band and they have dozens of great albums, I'm always taken back by the fact that I was introduced to them because of Tiny Tune Adventures. Yeah, they did that song and then Particle Man. They did a music mm-hmm. video for that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think um, when the Tiny Tunes reboot comes out, they're going to have a music video with They Might Be Giants? I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. I hope so. But did you hear the controversy with the new Tiny Tunes? No. What is that? Babs Bunny and Buster Bunny, the mm-hmm. two bunnies, are now uh, brother and sister. Oh, that's weird. Because in the original, they weren't. No, and they kind of had some, I don't want to say sexual tension, but. <laughs> For a kid's show, yeah. But I think they were meant to like bang each other in the future. Right. That's kind of always what I assumed. Now that's like uh, they're Luke and Leia. You're like, oh, we saw those two kiss in right. a movie. And now huh. you're telling me they're brother and sister? That's that's weird. When did George Lucas take over the <laughs> duties of Tiny Toons? I mean, he's good friends with Spielberg. Maybe Spielberg's like, True. Hey, hey, why don't you just do this show? <laughs> that's my Spielberg. Uh, yeah, I can see an episode that's like CGI heavy of the water going down the hole with Plucky Duck. and But it costs like $45 million to make. <laughs> and Jar Jar Binks is there for some reason. <laughs> um, also in that clip, I loved the... Uh, I love when Simpsons like do reference to things that Grant no one knows about except for maybe the writers. And that was when Lisa has the uh, lunchbox of Lapham, the uh, editor of uh, Harper's Magazine. Yeah. Because even like we don't know who that is. No. And he was born in 1935. <laughs> so even in 2004, he's an old man, literally a year older than my father. <laughs> Oh, Steve, it says 1935, not 1735. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind that. Okay. Um, and yeah, I like uh, Marge's, uh, do you want to see our clip or our trip to Athens? And then she goes on to say other things. That's <laughs> that structure of joke always makes me laugh. Which they kind of like that first joke too of like, it's almost the same way where she thought um, she said Paris, but it was Evergreen Terrace in a way too, like misunderstood. But then, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the two jokes work together. It was, it was good. It was good, yeah. Uh, so the opening credits to the Talbot Report plays, featuring Chloe on an aircraft car- carrier giving a uh, thumbs up sign while standing in front of a mission accomplished banner. Hey, Bush. Uh, we then see her standing in front of the White House and in space connected to a NASA ship. This evening, uh, she's interviewing Bob Dylan and she asks the singer songwriter what religion he's converting to next. And he replies with a series of mumbles and noises, finishing his rambling with Shalom. I did not like that joke. I feel like Bob Dylan jokes are kind of played out. 
just like the whole me me like yeah, we've all, we've we've heard it before. That's just me though. Yeah, but who's um, doing Bob Dylan jokes? I mean, not now because it's dead. <laughs> but even in two thousand four, like I just remember hearing a lot of people being like me. Like it's just it's like the only thing they do about him is he changes his religion often and he talks like that. Okay, let's get into the show. All right, so the news program nope. continues as Bob Dylan. <laughs> The news program continues. Okay, now. <laughs> with a feature about Chloe returning to her depressing little hometown of Springfield. She walks down the street saying hello to Ned Flanders, the comic book guy, and then is stunned to see that Krusty is still alive. Krusty the clown, that is. Krusty brags about all the uh, supermarket openings he's attended lately and then hangs his head in shame. So back at the living room of 742 Evergreen Terrace, Marge tells Chloe that some folks stayed in town to make Springfield a better place. Homer butts in saying that the only reason they don't leave that dunghill is a cord order ankle bracelet. <laughs> he then shows off the BP monitor, claiming it's a conversation starter. Marge then rolls her eyes, embarrassed and ashamed. And then we get to our second act, and it begins, as it always does, with a clip from us, and also some problematic language. This is the dance the Chinese government makes dissidents perform before they shoot them. Ayingo, Ayingo, Ayingo. I don't I don't I don't I don't Homer, what are you doing? I swallowed a chicken bone. I don't I Chloe, you've lived so many fascinating places. Yes, but down deep in my heart, I'll always be the girl who wanted to leave Springfield. Gee, with all that travel, you probably haven't had much time to find that special someone. Oh, I've had a few flings. <laughs> Bill Clinton. <coughs> Schwarzenegger. Oh, excuse me. But not all of us can be as lucky as you, Marge. Homer's a wonderful man. I don't know. I don't know. Did you just swallow another bone? Same one. Why we play that clip? I hated Homer's voice in that. Clip. That's why I played it because I hated oh, it. Okay, okay, good. Uh, so Chloe definitely was on Epstein's Island with uh, Clinton, right? That's what they're implying here. I think so. I, okay. I think it's weird that, like, you know, the comedy rule of threes, and she mentioned Clinton and Schwarzenegger, which both seem like very viable people to would cheat on their spouses, and you know, well, they did. <laughs> Schwarzenegger exactly had an affair with uh, his maid and had a right kid. exactly yeah, and Clinton um, yes, duh. But it'd be funny if they had a third person that was not like either not attractive or not. So like Hanks. she could have said Tom like Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks or like Ned Flanders. <laughs> Flanders. Oh yeah, keeping in the Simpsons realm. <laughs> or just, you know, or somebody else. Yeah, like, I think Tom Hanks would be a funny one or like Tom Bosley. <laughs> I don't know. Why does everyone have to be Tom? Uh Tom Scarrett. Well, Tom Broca. Oh, maybe oh, later. Maybe. Tom and Jerry. <laughs> Oh, double team. <laughs> no, but uh, I just made the joke of like, are they implying that? I just want to correct myself as saying implying that she was on Epstein's plane. Like, this was before the Epstein's plane. I was just making a joke. I mean, it was probably when it was happening, but yeah. Right, right. But yeah, we're just, we're just joking. Um, Kim Cattrall nor Chloe Talbot probably was not on the plane. You sure. <laughs> I mean, who's to say? I haven't seen the photos. I mean, there was one with uh, her and Ghislaine Maxwell hanging out, but that's probably nothing. Yeah, it wasn't photoshopped at all by Fox News. <laughs> Holding Cheetos and... <laughs> Clearly photoshopped. So <laughs> okay. Dumb. Um, anyway, we're a dumb country. <laughs> we really are. Like, the more you look at it, just we're hey, we're, stupid. We're, we're part of the problem, too. We have a dumb podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, we're not adding anything to this mess. Except for our listeners. They're smart. Yeah, they're the best. So the the thing that Chloe was saying does translate kind of uh, phonetically. Did you into... do this on your Google phone? 
well, somebody else wrote out it, and I did, yes. And uh, let's see if I can play it. So this is what she said. That's what she said. And that translates to... Love UK. Like, love UK, like United Kingdom. No. <laughs> I was like, aren't you going to say it back? Yeah, I love UK. I love UK. <laughs> Fine, let's leave you alone. Let me play my Madden. Every kiss begins with K, Steve. That's right. Kissing jerk. <laughs> That's what she could have said. Actually, that would have been funny. Yeah. All right. Well, later that evening, Marge and Lisa are in the kitchen doing dishes. Now, Lisa says that Chloe is amazing, noting even her serving bowl smells glamorous. Uh, Marge can't believe it. But when she takes a whiff, she has to admit it's like a Christmas in Aspen. So Lisa asks Marge if she knew back in high school that Chloe was going to be a superstar. But Marge then has a flashback at her good old days in Springfield High. Back then, we were both stars in the thrill-a-minute world of high school journalism. Together, we broke the biggest story of the semester. One of the cafeteria workers was spitting in the soup. I'll teach you to give me my first job out of prison. When we published the story, we received the school's highest award. Ladies, it is my great pleasure to award you the Certificates of Merit. In this box marked honoree, fill in your names. And over here, write in what you did. I'll be back. You ain't tasted the last of my spit. Oh, that mo. But good for you, Mom. Why didn't you follow Chloe into journalism? Well, we both faced a tough decision. First, I, I like how the flashback, it, it does kind of have the 70s, 1970s vibe with the sure. outfits and everything. That's kind of fun. So Mo was in prison. What did he do to go to jail? Huh. Well, he probably, we don't know exactly how old Mo is, but this implies that he's a little bit older because he's an employee rather than a student. Right. But also he probably didn't do too much time because he didn't like, you know, it's not a life sentence or anything. So probably not murder. <laughs> probably not. I want to say either indecent exposure or like some sort of like pervy, like voyeurism thing. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And this is before Mo's established that his family was a mattress salesman. So that's right. Unless it was like uh, he was naked in a bed in the store and waiting <laughs> for people women to lay on it. Yeah. God. It's like a very advanced popcorn trick, but it's a mattress instead of a bowl of popcorn. Steve, stop giving uh, people ideas. They don't call it the mattress firm for nothing. <laughs> Jesus. But I do so, like how, like, when that flashback, like, just Lisa's like, oh, that Mo. And then just, like, yeah. back to, like, the story. Like, everybody knows that he's a pervert, a criminal yeah. and a pervert. And it's like, eh, it's just Mo being Mo. Uh, but which, Mark- which, unfortunately, is, like, the way yeah. that, uh, like, Hollywood in general, like, kind of treats men that are scumbags. Like, oh, that's, it's like, you know, Mel Gibson just always kind of gets off. He does. Even though he's Mel Gibson, like, and all the horrible things he's done and said. It's just, right. Like, oh, that's just Mel Gibson being drunk and racist and a misogynist. It's just Mel Gibson. You loved him in Lethal Weapon. Yeah, he's horrible. Let's put him in Daddy's Home too. Right. Which, isn't like everyone problematic in that movie? Like, yeah, it's like Mark Wahlberg. And... Right. Uh, I won't I won't watch that for some reason. Or the first yeah. one. I don't think I will either. That's because it looks dumb. Um, yeah. So uh, Marge recalls the fork in the road she is faced with. Go to journalism school or stay with her sweetheart in Springfield. So her flashback continues with her making out with Homer underneath the bleachers. Homer begs Marge to stay with him, offering world travel and possibly even outer space travel. Hmm. He then makes a series of sci-fi noises that would make uh, Michael Winslow proud. 
Next to Homer and Marge is another teenage couple making out, Chloe and Barney. Barney tells Chloe that he loves her and states that he also loves uh, brake fluid, popping a bottle of it open and chugging it, finishing it with a satisfying burp. So before beer, he's drinking brake fluid. Right. And also Chloe's just pretty okay with it, too. She's well, yeah, I mean, spoilers at the end when he burps in her face. like She's just like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so back to present day, Marge tells Lisa that Chloe left town as soon as Barney proposed, which I thought was a kind of fun way to end that. So maybe that's why she like got the burp, like, and I'm done. Yeah. But we get a little insight on origins of uh, Barney, really. It's true. All right. Well, Marge would have been right behind her, but her plans changed when God herself gave oh. her a wonderful little boy. His name was Hugo, and he died. <laughs> But then she had Bart. Anyway, she yells at Bart, who's just like in the TV room, sighing the TV. <laughs> it's just funny. It is. Uh, Bart claims that his actions weren't uh, what they look like. And then he continues to saw away. Later on, Marge scours the bathtub and she wonders to herself why Homer would write his name in grime. We then see Homer rules crudely written out in brown, which could be rust. <laughs> Might not be rust. I hope it's rust. Uh, Marge scrubs and scrubs until removing the filth and replacing it with a sparkling reflection of herself. Marge's moment of pride, though, is short-lived because Lisa comes in and bursts her bubble. Mom, Chloe just won the Peabody Award. Well, I just made the bathroom floor smell like lemons. Where's the award for that? Oh, Mom, don't feel bad. Everybody appreciates your... Uh-oh, I'm late for my dinner with Chloe. <laughs> Good news, Marge. I've learned to walk naked on stilts. Oh. <gasps> There's Dan Rather and Tom Brokaw hanging out with Kent Brockman. You want your mic back, local anchor? It's just in. I'm pissed off. Hi, fellas. Chloe, want to feel my muscle? <laughs> Chloe has such an amazing wife. Hmm. <sighs> I wonder what would have happened if I'd stuck with journalism. Oh, honey, her life can't compare to yours. You've got three kids, a TV tray from Expo 67, and you're married to King Stink. Hey, Steve, want to touch my muscle? <laughs> oh, Tom. So another instance of uh, well, the Simpsons are very free with their bodies and like, you know, to be naked around each other. It's just very weird that like Lisa doesn't acknowledge the fact that her dad's completely naked walking on stilts and just walks out of the bathroom. Like, that's oh, true. All right, dad, I can see your wang, but I mean, here we are. <laughs> What's he doing? Just cool. walking around naked with stilts. Yeah. Hanging hog. The bathroom is usually upstairs. So I wonder if he walked up the stairs with the stilts, especially naked. Yeah, because it could fall and really hurt your testicles. <laughs> And you're back, I suppose. Yeah. I thought it was a sweet moment when um, Lisa, just being Lisa, kissed Marge goodbye, even though she didn't need to, but like just to be like a sensitive person, I thought it was a nice touch. And we all love a nice touch. That's right. We all crave it. Need it. Something. Feel something. Anyways, uh, Chloe may have a flashy job, but Homer tells Marge that she's the backbone of the family, comparing her to the electrical tape that holds the two halves of his car together. Marge appreciates Homer's sweet thought, and he responds that he hates seeing his wife so upset. Suddenly, he has a thought. A good name for Maggie would be Chloe. <laughs> but then Marge lets out uh, a trademark annoyed grunt. Oh? 
Um, on the ride home, Lisa tells Chloe that her night was exciting and that Morley Saver has the biggest head she's ever seen. Oh. <laughs> um, both Lisa and Chloe had fun. But Lisa feels that going back to school the next day is going to be a big letdown. She's not looking forward to making a pilgrim out of felt. <laughs> it's very relatable. Uh, school is boring. But stay in it. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. Stay in school. And also do drugs while you're staying in school. Yeah. Hey, to and all the teen teenagers out there, don't listen to your teachers and your parents yeah. about not doing drugs. Yeah. Listen to podcasters. <laughs> yeah. Who did drugs and now do podcasts. Exactly. <laughs> but we stayed in school for at least one day. Exactly. We stayed for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Chloe then invites Lisa to go with her to the UN Women's Conference in Capital City. And Lisa would love to go, but she first needs Marge's permission. Well, you can ask her right now. She's glaring at us from the front lawn. It's my fault we're a little late. How dare you show my daughter a life of fun and possibility? Hey, keep your dishwashing hands off the Armani. For your information, our electric dishwasher is on the fritz. Not that you care about the ups and downs of my appliances, do ya? Do ya? Oh, that's it! I'm going to show you some moves I learned from G. Gordon Liddy! I'm so sick of names! Okay, G. Gordon Liddy could have been one of the guys that she was banging. There you go. Probably good for a roll in the hay. I really like Marge's just line of, I'm so sick of names. When Marge gets mad, I think it's one of my favorite things of her character yeah. traits. You know, a classic like, shut up, Becky! It's because it happens so rare, and it's the one time when she's not rational. Right. And uh, yeah, it's so it's just so funny. It's like, she's mad because Chloe doesn't care about the way in which she washes dishes. <laughs> which isn't really what she's mad about at all, because she's mad about, she's mad at herself, because she's jealous of the fact that uh, this is the life she could have had. Yeah, and Did I think I just she's also <laughs> a little mad at Lisa, or a little hurt by Lisa, not caring right. about so much. So yeah, I think you did solve it. Did you ever, uh, when you were a kid, did you ever look up to an adult that wasn't your parents and your parents got mad? I do remember in fourth grade, uh, we had to write a report about two states, and I was somehow picked first, so I got I got to pick hey, all... Hey, Scott Ackerman, you've told this story before. <laughs> oh, never mind. You can slap my little butt. <laughs> Um, I need you to do a 10 wind sprints across the oh, stage. <laughs> but yeah, continue the story, even though someone might have forgot. Yeah. So I picked two states. And because my dad was from Minnesota, I picked Minnesota. But my mom was from Utah. And that seemed dumb. So I picked New York instead because it seemed easy. And my mom was really hurt by that. That's it. You're like, Mom, uh, New York's got uh, the Gabagool. Well, yeah. Utah's got the multiple wives. Wait a minute. You're right. Utah's cooler. Yeah, they cut holes in sheets and uh, don't have much soda. Or they have a lot of soda, but no other coffee. No caffeine. No caffeine, there it is. And yeah. you can't get booze on Sunday. Right. But they do have a burgeoning uh, brewery scene. They have a lot of breweries, but the alcohol, they have, again, I'm not sure about, you should, you would know if like, like alcohol, there's a certain limit of like alcohol content per. There isn't, but if you're buying it, you have to buy it at a, like on, at a brewery and you can't drink it at the brewery. So you have to like buy it at, with the place that they make it, but you can't drink it there. I think that's the rule. Okay. But but also, like, isn't the alcohol content lower? Like, certain, um, like, spirits maybe in some beer? Like, it's not as... Like, I they think, have to brew a different batch for Utah. Right. Because I know there's one brewery that makes, like, a really good stout that is, you know, like, 11% or something. But they might not be able to sell it in Utah. But they make it there. It's weird. Yeah. I mean, no offense to uh, our Utah listener or mm-hmm. to Mormons, but... Uh... Utah could be such a cool state if it wasn't for the Mormons. Yeah, it's full of natural beauty. And, it's uh, a beautiful state. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, 
Utah is is your <laughs> is your uh, unopened uh, Darth Vader action figure that's just on your <laughs> wall. Like you want to open and play with it, but it's so pristine that you can't. That's yeah, that's a valid comparison. I don't know. I'm also from Utah, much <laughs> like Darth Vader. <laughs> I understand your analogy, right? Can we get to the final act? Uh, alrighty, so uh, Marge and Chloe uh, then roll around on the ground, grunting, yelling, and fighting. Marge slaps Chloe across the face at, while Lisa watches, disappointed and worried. Homer, from the bedroom window, tells uh, Marge and Chloe that there's no reason to fight over him, and Marge angrily responds that uh, no one is fighting over him. He tells the women then to carry on, and they do, fighting all the way into that third act. I kind of like that joke of, again, I think this kind of does, in a way, pass the Bethel test in a way that... yeah. Marge and Chloe aren't fighting over a man. Right. And I like that joke of like, that is what a lot of like, or TV shows in general, women are just fighting over a man because that's the male writers in the writing room would write that for, you know, because they don't know how to write women. Because I mean, majority of the writing rooms in, in Hollywood, especially at this time. Oh, yeah. Mostly just white men. So exactly. So it is nice to see that. Yeah. The dynamic between Lisa, Chloe and Marge doesn't feature men. It's just about what accomplishments and life choices yeah. they made. So, yeah, that, that is refreshing. Um, so the final act, as you said, does begin, as it always does, with Marge in the bathroom looking at her massive black eye. Oh. <laughs> she opens the cabinet to uh, the medicine cabinet there and she grabs a can of Irish strength shiner be gone, <laughs> which features a leprechaun similar to the uh, Notre Dame mascot, which is weird. You know, it's Notre Dame. It's French. Why huh. do they have an Irish mascot? So weird. And the uh, mascot there has a purple bruise under his eye. So then Marge sprays the can over her closed eye for a very long time. Like yeah. the scene goes on for what seems like minutes, but it's probably 15 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And as she does this, the can plays the opening bars to Tooraloo-Ralph. I guess I can't sing. Uh, <laughs> so she continues to spray until uh, finally her shiner is gone. Which, you know, Irish stereotypes aside, it's a very bleak product. The fact that the Simpsons own it, too, is yeah, like, very disturbing. Like, Homer <laughs> gives many black eyes to his loved ones, I guess. Like, I'm just imagining... Uh... Marge at the grocery store, like picking up a case of duff. She's like, oh, that reminds me. Oh, Jesus. Very bleak. Isn't it, though? Yeah. yeah. Or she like gets a pork chop and like, oh, I don't have to use that this time. Oh, God. See, it's all sad. I don't know why uh, my brain lives there, but here we are. Yeah. Homer Batman. Homer Batman. Right. Um, Homer, uh, Marge then steps into Lisa's room to kind of explain her behavior. And we have a clip. Lisa, honey, let me explain what happened tonight. Sometimes when your mom has half a glass of wine, she goes cuckoo bananas. Hmm. So, is it okay if I go to the women's conference with Chloe? Let me think about it. No. I love when Marge says cuckoo bananas. I know. That's mostly why I put that clip in, because yeah. I, I like cuckoo bananas. And it's only gets uh, Marge half a glass of wine. Yeah. Hey, but, you know, some wine is, the, the alcohol content is very high, so, you yeah. know. I think you definitely do feel, as alcoholics, you definitely feel different buzzes from certain types of booze, like yeah. beer and wine and spirits. There's different kind of buzz. Like I get a like a wine buzz is a pretty good buzz, I think. Yeah, it's a definitely a different buzz. Like and even like white wine versus red wine has a different oh, buzz yeah. feel. But also I think has also the worst like hangovers. <laughs> yeah, white wine for me, like or like sparkling wine. Uh, or champagne worst. and yeah. 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 Or regions that aren't champagne. 
that's true. Juices. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Yeah, juices. <laughs> Regions that aren't champagne. Juices. <laughs> that's right. Mr. Sommelier over here with his technical <laughs> jargon. Yeah. Wine comes from grapes. It's going to be really bad if we do the wine corner. <laughs> like, mm, tastes like grape juice, but aged. <laughs> Well, you know, whenever I recommend wine for somebody uh, like a Pinot Noir, for instance, I'll always be like, this one tastes like Grape Jolly Rancher. It kind of <laughs> does. It's really juicy and really kind of grape tasting. So, right. You know, whatever so, works. So we'll be dumb sommeliers when we do the wine corner. Yeah. All right. We'll be dumb sommeliers. <laughs> I like it. Cool. So uh, Lisa lays down in bed, but later that evening, she replaces her own head with the uh, with a replica of the Statue of Liberty in the bed. She doesn't like take off her own head. <laughs> <You're funny. laughs> uh, she puts a blanket over the Statue of Liberty head, and it causes it to resemble her the iconic st- uh, spiky hair. So Lisa lets out a sinister laugh and then climbs out the window onto a nearby tree branch. She begins to doubt herself, wondering if she really is willing to disobey her mother. Bart pushes her to the ground, saying that thinking is for losers. Lisa <laughs> thanks Bart for helping her make a decision, and then Bart thanks Lisa for cushioning his fall. Lisa's confused, but her brother then jumps down, landing on Lisa's backside. Lisa gets uh, really injured in this episode coming up next in this yeah. clip here, because we go to the Four Seasons Springfield, where uh, Rudy Giuliani is <laughs> off at the uh, corner making uh, election fraud claims. Exactly. <laughs> Lisa sneaks into Chloe's trunk. Then uh, Tom Brokaw flirts with the newswoman. And then in this clip, we're going to see Lisa get harmed again. And then later, Marge will discover that uh, she's lost her Lisa. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Chloe, I saw your report on Kuala Lumpur. Truly hard-hitting. Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate that. (laughs) So I, you know, I was wondering. Yes. Uh. Would you like to come to my celebrity racquetball tournament? I'll have to check my schedule. <laughs> I'll give you a first round bye. Gotta go, Tom. I'll think about it. Lisa, breakfast? I know you're mad at me, but I hope you're not mad at Captain Crunch. <laughs> oh, no. I like how Tom Brooke says, go out a little more. <laughs> I know. I like the impression that they do of that Harry does of Tom Brokaw, but it just makes me think about Dana Carvey's impression where I think he also said Kuala Lumpur just from that SNL sketch where uh, he was like, in case he dies, he was doing like all the different possibilities. Oh, so yeah. it's almost like Harry's doing an impression of Dana Carvey's doing an impression, which I feel like to Dana Carvey's credit is a lot of people's impressions of people. Like when most people do like a George Bush, the first uh, impression, they're mostly doing Dana Carvey. So I don't know. Oh, we're only doing Dana Carvey when we're doing Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Ross Perot. And I don't know. Dana Carvey is a talented person. That's all I'm saying. It's kind of funny that like his, Dana Carvey has a really good Biden impersonation. It's amazing he's even doing Biden because we already have like James Austin Johnson who does right. like the perfect uh, Trump. Did I say Biden? Yeah. Um, no, but Carvey also does a Trump. But yeah, no, but uh, oh, never mind. Who does right? No one really does like a good Biden. I think uh, I mean Carvey does the good Biden. That's what yeah, I meant. Yeah, James Austin Johnson. Uh, Johnson. He does do Biden, I think, now on SNL. Right. It's, and it's fine. It's passable. But it's not as like notable as his Trump impression. I kind of think that uh, Carvey's just kind of working his time for uh, when's, once the 2024 election rolls around. I think they'll have Dan Carvey will be like on, you know, how like SNL always has like big names do the political oh, people. Right. Yeah. I think we'll see him do Biden, who... Who's going to probably run in 2024? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, I'm voting for uh, 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 <laughs> nachos. <laughs> nachos. Why are we talking about views and buttons? I don't know. It's always <laughs> so good. Seven. <laughs> uh. We could have promised doing an eye off of uh, Springfield of the views and butthead, but we didn't because no, that was too soon. <laughs> yeah, but it uh, we do recommend it. It's very yeah. good. Every episode, I'm just like, it's a it's a solid show. So Homer is choking Bart in the living room when uh, Marge frantically tells them that they need to go get Lisa. Homer agrees and tells Bart to think about what he did while they're gone. Bart asks what it is that he did do, which causes Homer to think for a moment before yet again struggling Bart, promising to fix his wagon, which feels a little forced in because it wasn't really a part of the episode, but it's fine. And I think uh, they were just like making the joke of like, oh, every Simpsons episode has to have Homer strangling Bart, so let's just put it in, you know, even though there's no reason the joke here. Yeah, that's true. And you know, uh, I'll fix your wagon. We've heard that before. Mm-hmm. I wish I had fixed wagons professionally because you got a slogan right there. <laughs> I'll fix your wagon. How many wagons need to be fixed these days and age? So you must be doing a good job. <laughs> go. Well, I'm also an abacus repairman. So uh, do you know if people's abacuses are broken? No. Uh, there. See, I could play this game, too. Yeah. I mean, the good thing about that is... <laughs> Business is multiplying, and it's really more adding, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> waiting to leave up my elevator business. Let me guess. <laughs> it's climbing the stairs of success? <laughs> That's my escalator business. No, the elevator business is good, too, but, you know, it has its ups and downs. Yeah, I know. I get it. I was trying to be funny or Okay. Anyway. We must wait for God to jack us. So Chloe's on the road, seven miles away from Capital City, when suddenly her cellular phone rings. Hello? Chloe, forget about the women's conference. I need you to get over to Mount Springfield. It's about to erupt. Don't we have a reporter who specializes in natural disasters? Yeah, he's busy covering Julia Roberts' last haircut. <laughs> but seriously, he's dead. Now get going. Even that the Julia Roberts like haircut is a lame joke. The fact it that is, like, yeah. he laughs about that. But also like the end was like, but seriously, he's dead. Yeah, that I'm going to say that's probably my favorite joke of the episode. Okay. Just, not because of the Julia Roberts thing, because that's, I mean, it's it's a fine, it's a bad joke, but the structure my, of it yeah. is so good. My favorite joke is still the Bob Dylan one. Yeah, of course it is. I just like it when people on TV shows make jokes and acknowledge that they're making a joke and laugh at themselves. It's always funny to me. And also, Much like this podcast. Exactly. I'm funny. <laughs> I'm not funny. But also, I like the fact that, yeah, no, seriously, he's dead, so... <laughs> All right, well, Chloe makes a quick U-turn and heads towards Mount Springfield. Uh, Marge and then Homer drive by going the opposite direction, eager to get to that women's conference to save Lisa. So Chloe pulls up to the smoking volcano and meets her camera operator. His name is Chet. So he states that he's here for the Kano story. And then he's been to Afghanistan, Serbia, and Lebanon. Just then, the volcano shoots out giant boulder, which lands on Chet's van, crushing it. And then Chet admits that he lied, saying that he shoots wedding videos in Dallas-Fort Worth. And the volcano bubbles up again, and Chet admits that he only films weddings in Fort Worth. And he runs away, and Lisa pops out of the truck, assuming she's in Capital City. Hello, UN Women's Conference. (laughs) Wow! We're trapped! Lisa, we may not make it, but at least we can go out as the great journalists we are. I'm not a journalist. You are now. Remember to keep my boobs in the shot. I say that to you every day, Steve. Keep my boobs in the shot. It's hard not to. I like when she just bursts out of the uh, 
trunk and does the wah like such mm-hmm. classic uh I love a wah. Reason. I love a wah-wah. Wah-wah. I mean, in, in, in the East Coast, the wah-wah. Right. Your sandwich and... Yeah. Gas? So, sure. This is a gas station, too, isn't it? Right, yeah. It's a elevated convenience store. Yeah. But I really want to go to one because everybody says they're so great. Is that is that, that our equivalent to, like, pilot, like, stations here that we have, like... Are those are usually, like, si- subways are in those places? Yeah. It's kind of probably, like, that one truck... The Jubits. Yeah. Truck stops are pretty cool. Like, legit ones where they have... They still have like, you know, Garth Brooks CDs for $17.99. Right. <laughs> DVDs of The Departed and Final Destination 6. Trump 2004 t-shirts. <laughs> no, 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 no. They haven't gone there yet. They still have Bush Cheney shirts. Oh, yeah, shirts. that's right. But they have like two uh, Joe Carey shirts as well. Yeah, of course. You could get a Walkman, a Discman still, like in the electronic <laughs> section. Right. I think some Game Boy games are still available. Yeah, just blank VHS cassettes. <laughs> yeah. The restroom facilities are pretty nice, except for some of them have holes, crotch level for some reason in the stalls. Yeah. Pornography really kind of painted a pretty picture of what a glory hole is. <laughs> I know one of our truck stops has like a movie theater. I've never seen a movie there, but I've always kind of wanted to see what it looks like. Yeah, it's such an interesting concept because, you know, if you're on the road, you probably, I mean, I'm it does sound nice if you have some time to kill, but which is yeah. also funny. Like, wait, you're a trucker, you can't go to a regular Cineplex, you have right. to go to the truck stop one that plays movies that already on like streaming services and DVDs. Well, they only play Convoy and that <laughs> one movie where Sylvester Stallone is a truck driver. Is that over the top, maybe? maybe yeah, top. yeah, it was over the top. They also show uh Spielberg's first direct to or TV movie duel. Right. And they show the Transformers cartoon because Optimus Prime is a truck and they respond to that. So uh, Marge and Homer arrive at the women's conference, which features a banner that says sexy Asian girls talk about wage disparity. Marge doesn't see uh, Lisa and Homer, as we all are, is growing ashamed of his penis. I'm growing ashamed of my penis. Marge looks over to see a TV screen close by and sees Chloe reporting at the long dormant Springfield volcano. She goes on to say that the volcano is spewing noxious debris into the air. And then one of the uh, conference attendees comments that the the debris is incredibly male and the other women in the conference agree. Marge then learns that Lisa's at the volcano. And when Homer offers a solution, the conference members respond negatively. With me is my eight-year-old camera girl, Lisa Simpson. She's taken my daughter to an erupting volcano? That's it. She is off the Christmas card list. Mark, that's crazy talk. Now look, I'll save Lisa. Your place is here with the women. Okay, you go save Lisa. I'll stay here with the women. What do women want? (gasps) We've got to go now. Okay, I'll run as fast as I can, but I'm full of potato salad. Oh... I'm sorry, folks. You're not allowed to go up there. In fact, I don't even know why I'm here. This lava is not a criminal. It hasn't hurt anybody. Anybody I know? Chief, my daughter's up there. You're a father, too. Yeah, but I'm a cop first. Then a boat enthusiast. Amateur historian. Yo-yo dieter. Then I'm a cop again. I'm coming! Bart, are you coming? Why won't you come? (laughs) I'd like to come. I'm coming! I like how Homer says potato. You say potato salad. 
potato salad. Potato. Potato salad. Right. <laughs> it's just such a non sequitur. Like, it's out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I really liked uh, Quimby's uh, bit here. Just about, you know, I mean, ACAB, but like, it's like, I don't know why I'm here. I'm not protecting a crime. <laughs> I don't. Nobody's getting hurt except for that guy. And that like also goes on for a couple seconds longer. We're just like it's like burning to death, and just kind of everyone just like pans and watches him. Yeah, and it's like well, anyway, like I almost thought they could have had a joke where they put in like Ralph being in trouble, and him like, and then walks away to go save Ralph. Yeah, that would have been funny. I always found that weird too. Of like, it's maybe it's the joke of like you know, there's I don't know. I mean, I'm not a cop, so I don't know. Like. But it's always like, oh, you know, someone had, you know, you see it if like someone had like a, a medical thing happen into their house. And so they call, they want an ambulance. Mm-hmm. But then like everyone shows up, like firemen and the police, like what are the police going to do? Shoot the heart attack away? <laughs> right. Like they're and... for crowd control or like, yeah. Right. And so, you know, when we, t- when folks talk about defunding the police, I think what they're talking about is finding other resources to use that money to better handle various emergency situations. Yeah. And again, not a political podcast. All right. So Marge then jumps into action because as we all know, I'm coming. She's hopping into the driver's seat and speeding through the police barriers. And she finds Lisa and Chloe in peril and shouts that she's going to save her daughter. And just then the ground below her splits open and Lisa tells her mother to be careful as there is hot lava on the ground. But of course, Steve, you and I knew this. That's not actually hot lava. Chloe corrects Lisa, which is a little concerned about Lisa not knowing this because it's when it's underground, it's actually called magma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stupid Lisa garbage face. So Lisa then tells Chloe that she's so smart, and Chloe responds that Walter Cronkite told her the same thing while they were banging. <laughs> That's right. It's funny, like, anytime people correct Lisa, mm-hmm. she's usually, like, snarky or a jerk about it. Yeah. This time, she's not. That's how enamored she is with Chloe and her vagabond lifestyle. Yeah. Um, But, you know, Craig, I kind of have a blunder, because maybe Chloe's not so smart, and maybe Marge isn't so wrong. Wait, I thought it was. We're not smart. Well, Chloe's right that when molten lava flows underground, it is no as it is magma. However, the river of lava that's there is visible from the ground and exposed to air, so it is technically lava. Boy, I really hope somebody got fired for that blunder. That's right, and that's why uh, Kim Cattrall hasn't been on since, except for season twenty-one. Wait, what? Yeah, she was again. She showed up again in uh, the episode. Same character? No, a different character. Although this character does appear in the movie in the background. What movie? Uh, Simpsons movie. Oh, I was hoping it was going to be Star Wars. Uh, Probably Star Trek, but no. Yeah, that's right. She appears in the uh, season twenty-one episode. Oh, brother, where art thou? Hey, I could see Kim Cattrall like showing up in a Star Wars, like how like there's all these random actors that is all of a sudden like the new like Disney Plus shows like Boba Fett's or Obi-Wan's or Mandalorian's. Like, yeah, she could be like some, you know, Imperial officer. I could see that or like, yeah. yeah. All right, let's start a petition. Uh, Kim Cattrall first. You know how they got rid of uh, that one lady? Uh, Gina Carano or whatever in the mm-hmm. Mandalorian. Just recast it with a sassy 60-year-old Kim Cattrall. There you go. Just the same character, but yeah, but it's the same character, but she's gonna be like her character from Sex in the City, but like <laughs> with blasters. So she just fucks a lot of, you know, like uh, Chewbacca's and uh, uh-huh. droids. 
this is a Star Wars show you would watch. Yeah, I mean, the next morning she like is like picking Wookiee hair out of her teeth. Just call it like, se- Sex and the Death Star, okay? Yeah, I like this. Cast all the the Sex in the City ladies, but Sex and the Death Star. This sounds like a really bad SNL sketch, by the way. Maybe even Mad TV. Yeah, I think it's more Mad TV. You're right. <laughs> ah, but I'd still watch it. Yeah, um, you would watch. You would watch Mad TV. Well, I mean, no, I guess I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. Ah, it was. Who knew that Quincy Jones wouldn't make a good comedy show? So even like when we were kids, like, ah, there's a new Matt TV on. Ah, but they're showing a rerun of SNL. I'm going to watch yeah. that rerun. <laughs> I I specifically have that memory of Saturday night. You're like, yeah. ah, fuck. That's eh, fine. I'll just, I'll just turn the TV off and stare at it until an hour is over with. And right. Turn it back on. <laughs> Maybe there's some nudity on PBS. <laughs> Oh, that time, you know, Cinemax, you probably had some. Yeah. Oh, Real Sex, maybe I was on HBO. That's true. Or maybe that episode of Sex in the City with Kim Cattrall showing off her breasts. Ta-ta. Ta-ta. Um, so Marge assesses the situation and then jumps from rock to rock through the lake of fire. She hops on Chloe's car, grabs Lisa, and leaps to safety. Lisa's impressed, and Marge states that nothing's more powerful than a mother's love. Lisa then notices that Marge's beehive hair is on fire. But Marge isn't concerned, since she has at least two hours before it burns down to her head. So the tree that Chloe is clinging onto begins to burn, and she states that the top story tonight is she's about to die. That's very, like, purred happily. <laughs> like, That's true. Tonight's it's top story, thing. I'm about to die, yeah. <laughs> uh, but just then, we got a helicopter floating down to a sober-era Barney, grabbing uh, his former lover, Chloe. Barney, you saved my life. Chloe, when you left me, I was devastated. But I sobered up long enough to become a pilot. With you beside me, I think I could make it work. How about a half hour of pity sex? Is there any other kind? In the wake of the devastating eruption, one Springfielder proved herself a hero, Marge Simpson. She's won herself a free hero sandwich at Springfield Sub Shops. Extra charge for warm-ups. Mom, I want to be just like you. I mean the lava part, not saving Lisa. Pretend to care! Well, looking at you kids, I know I made the right choice in life. I'm sure you did. But still, don't you ever wonder what might have happened if things had gone differently? Well... This is Marge Simpson reporting from Lake Placid, where the miracle on ice never happened. No! Say what you must about this episode when we do, but yeah, I had you know some chuckles here and there, but that last part, like I <laughs> yeah, out that's loud. true. That's really funny. Really funny. Just I guess in my, I love these just like thought provoking jokes and <laughs> not thought provoking, but like I mean, think about like so she has the knowledge of the miracle on ice <laughs> of 1980. <laughs> She's like at Lake Placid, an empty ice rink, and just like where it never happened. <laughs> And it's kind of it's, her fault. Uh, it is her fault. It's like yeah. What would happen? Yeah. Because she even it, like mentioned it earlier of how her life would have been different if she was a reporter, and now she's playing off that fantasy. <laughs> it's also like her, like also deep down thinking like she made the right choice because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here she is with the wrong choice. Um, earlier in that clip too, uh, it's funny that Barney says that he got sober long enough to save her, as if he got his life together. But that was like. 20 years after he left high school. <laughs> but it says a weird like origin Barney story. Like, I mean, we know he became an alcoholic 
because of uh, Homer right. uh, getting the beer. But was he mostly drinking uh, out of sadness? No, no. The first thing he was drinking was the the oh the brake fluid. The brake fluid. So he was drinking brake fluid, but then Homer introduces him a beer, which is easier to drink than brake fluid. Right. But then he gets sober. And so maybe the whole time he's thinking when he gets sober in the back of his mind, he's like, I still want to get back with Chloe. And so he now has, and he's sober. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about it, I think last week or the week before. I think, no, last week, because he was, last week's episode was season 17, only a year after this episode. It's true. he was back to being a drunk. So we're right in the middle of, is this episode... And they kind of imply that he might go off the wagon or Maybe. Not on the wagon. Yeah. I always forget um, after this episode. Maybe. I mean, here's what I think happened is he had his pity sex. And then like after he left uh, Chloe's hotel room, he walked by like an auto parts store, saw <laughs> some brake fluid. And was like, hmm, I've earned this. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, yeah, beer exists, too. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're closer to knowing now it's between 16 and season 16 and season 17 that uh, he re- relapses. So yeah, we're figuring it out. We're so we'll close. We'll get to that episode eventually. I hope so. So credits roll. And then we get a very weird deleted scene where Lisa is uh, still in the trunk of Chloe's car. So deleted scenes weren't as common back here. So Mm-mm. the text is yellow. So this is kind of a weird, weird thing, but, but I think uh, you're right. I think this was just a deleted scene that they didn't put in yeah. to the actual show proper. They're like, but they like this bit and they just, just attach it to the end. Yeah. So uh, Chloe asks Lisa what she's doing. And Lisa replies that she's praying to Buddha, Jesus and SpongeBob just because there's no time to be picky. The camera then pans up to the heavens where we see Buddha, Jesus and a very kind of off drawing of SpongeBob <laughs> standing on the clouds in front of Peter's gates looking down. Perhaps we should help. Squiller! <laughs> and that laugh is just so <laughs> maniacal. Yeah, and I mean, I haven't watched a ton of SpongeBob, but I don't think he sounds like that no. at all. I've never seen one full episode of SpongeBob. I've seen clips here and wow. there. Yeah, no, never, never seen one episode. I used to watch it with some regularity when I was, you know, younger. Like when you were irregular. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, it has its laughs. It's pretty good. It's like a easier to digest, like Ren and Stimpy. Like, it's not right. so disgusting, but I don't know. It's it's fine. Anyway. Well, you're fine, too, Steve. Thanks. Uh, I think uh, I think we've said enough, but I think we should really, really say how we really feel about this episode. And uh, maybe go have some pity sex on our break. Is there any other kind? No. All righty. Zip. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right, Steve, let's wrap up this week's episode. She used to be my girl. We'll do our usual banter, talking about our favorite jokes, maybe a favorite jokester or MVJ, maybe some scenes in there that make us laugh, some of our favorite quotes, and then we'll give our full summation, and then we'll find out what we're watching next week. But before we do that, we like to talk about some merchandise. So what from this episode would you like to see branded on a shirt, a tattoo, a video camera, a microphone, or just a news anchor's uh, costume? Cosplay? I don't know. How about it, Steve? What do you got for oh, us? Oh, boy. Um, there's a few that you could do here. Uh, I mean, you could make a t-shirt for Shiner Be Gone, which I will not be doing. You could honor the two-headed goat that was technically born in Shelbyville. You can have the media's diner club that has a liberal bias towards great meal deals. But I think I'm going to go with just a little headline of Mo Sislak getting uh, arrested as a child with the headline, Sham Chowder on a t-shirt. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, I'll let you know. Uh, that's what I picked too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we can we can have the same thing, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I think mean, so. You could also get a tattoo of uh, rusty looking Homer rules on your back, like you stitched it in the bathtub, right? Or scratched it in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. You could also get uh, a funny pat- tattoo of Bart's song on a TV. I don't know. That'd be fun, actually. But I do like. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to go with what uh, what you just said. Nice, because that's what I said too. Sham chowder, chowder, chowder. Say it, Frenchie. Yeah. All right, <laughs> there's our product, and now you can make all the money you need to make Disney Man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, how about a favorite joke? Oh boy. What, what scene you kind of alluded into? Didn't allude it at all. You even said it straight out. Yeah, but so yeah, I did really like the uh, the news editor talking about natural disasters and Julia Roberts' new haircut. That was a funny joke to me. But also, uh, you also mentioned the uh, the end there with uh, Marge imagining the Muriel Khan is not existing because she became a journalist. That's really funny. Um, there's some funny jokes in here. Uh, those two, and uh, just I like the Dem Luigi joke about him realizing that Italy's shaped like a boot. Um, a lot of like self. Jokes that people realize themselves um, kind of in their own brain. So what made you laugh, Craig? Yeah, the the last joke of Marge being at Lake Placid saying that the Miracle on Ice never happened made me laugh. I thought that was just absurd and hilarious. And of course, I said in the beginning episode when they had the chore wheel and Maggie <laughs> had to pick up the dry cleaning. I just love that joke. All in all, I think probably Marge when she is mad is always a fun banter. Yeah. Bart had a couple good one-liners. I did like the scene where Homer thought that Chloe and Marge were fighting over him, but of course mm-hmm. he wasn't a typical male, right? Yeah. So I like that. Um, I I, I think I give Marge the MVJ. Yeah. Part. Most of them about play. I I like Marge episodes, so I Me mean, too. Usually I do. Um, and, I also uh, liked her line. Sorry, uh, where she's like, "I'm so sick of names." I thought that was yeah, that's good. But we'll give it to Marge. Marge yeah, deserves I it. So. I agree. Who's your MVJ? I'm gonna say Marge as oh, well. Marge as well. Okay. Yeah. But uh, Homer, second Homer was. Funny to me, but yeah, but only to you. Yeah, I asked only everyone. You. I asked everyone else on the internet, and they said uh, they hated Homer. Wow. Yeah, everyone on the internet. Everybody. Everyone ever. Even Dan Castellaneta himself. <laughs> uh, he's not on the internet. Oh, surprising. Yeah. Uh, Michael Rappaport really hates him though. Oh yeah, he's a fucking guy over here. <laughs> yeah. I only pretend to like him on the show. Um, but uh, yeah, there we go. There's our scenes and jokes and. Uh, Whatnots? How about we just say what we really felt about this week's episode? So let me talk about what the show, this episode, got right. There were some good laughs. Um, I think it was an interesting, like, picture of the political landscape in 2004 with, like, the Fox van and, um, you know, just kind of the uh, burgeoning sensationalism that news had to offer at the time. And I do like the fact that Marge and Chloe did, like, interact with each other without it being about men. And I do always enjoy when Marge gets to develop more as a character. I just kind of wish that it wasn't always just her being flawed and wrong. And that's how she grows is either like she's upset by somebody else or she's jealous of Lisa's newest interest. And I I don't know, I just it kind of bums me out because I'd like to see Marge grow, but also win. And while it is progressive of them to have them pass the Bechdel test and be, you know, independent women, it also kind of cheapens it when they're rolling on the lawn fighting and slapping each other. I'm torn because I did have a lot of fun with this episode, but also I kind of didn't like it. It's to me 
kind of a bad episode that follows a lot of good Simpson things, like Lisa saying, wah, and it's following like a lot of patterns of the Simpsons, especially at this time that are good. But the episode itself feels a little off to me. Like, I feel like they didn't know what to do with Homer. That's why they had him choking Bart and explaining it. Or just kind of having him fill in for jokes like the stomach full of potato salad. Like they needed Homer to do more and they didn't know what to do with it. So I felt that was a little awkward. But I don't know. I'm going to say that for me, it was a skip, like a, a soft skip. So not like absolutely horrible. It's not like an offensive episode, but it's not my favorite. And I feel like it just didn't quite work for me. And so if I'm going to have to give this a rating, and I guess I have to give this a rating. Um, you know, Lisa was talking about Lewis Lapham who was the editor of the Harper's Magazine for 28 years before he quit in shame after lying about being at the Republican National Convention in 2004. Um, this two years later, he quit. So out of 28, I'm going to give this a uh, 17 out of 28. Still not that horrible of a score. <laughs> no, I guess not. I'm going to oh, let's knock it down to 15. <laughs> That's nice of you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. So that's my review. Alrighty. While it showcased a lot of positive, like telling the female side of the story, but there was also like a lot of unfunny female type jokes in it too. Yeah. And Marge, like sometimes the only problem that, that the writers put into her is that she made the mistake of marrying Homer and having a family. Like that's her biggest flaw. Right. But and then so it, that means. Yeah. It always, and it always ends with like, no, she made the right decision of having a family. So it always mm-hmm. seems like that's how they tell Marge stories. Even though I say I like Marge stories. Yeah. Sometimes it gets grouped into like, I could have been this. There's two types of women. There's housemaker or career woman. And that's it. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. And there's only ten, one type of man, Steve. And that's us. We're the most masculine men out there. Yeah. We're so alpha. <laughs> we eat alphabet cereal. Yeah. We're not even beta males. We're omegas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with that. We're with, omega men. Yeah. We don't want to eat people. No. And we're Charlton Heston. <laughs> Who's the most alpha man ever? Oh, yeah. So masculine. So if I gave it a ranking, uh, Kim Cattrall, of course, was uh, starred in Star Trek VI, mm-hmm. the uh, undiscovered country, uh, which is you know considered in Star Trek fans, at least in the top three of the Star Trek movies. So out of uh, the Star Trek movies, I, I'll give her a Star Trek insurrection out of a oh, Star boy. Trek. Uh, I mean, the episode of <laughs> Star Trek insurrection out of a Star Trek uh, undiscovered country. All righty. Only Star Trek fans will understand that uh, rating scale. Of course. Uh, two questions. How did Star Trek predict the insurrection? <laughs> and two, what was the country? Well, you know, it's allegory, you know, Star Trek. So it wasn't a country. It was a planet. Oh. A planet of uh, DC Alpha 3. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if like they found Luxembourg or something. It's like, oh, there's Spain. No, I don't and know. People are like, we discovered it. We're already here. Uh, Star Trek Insurrection is just a glorified uh, TNG episode. Like nothing uh, really happens. Like there was even an episode TNG where it's the same plot and it has uh, the late great Paul Servino playing Worf's brother. So <laughs> sorry, Worf's stepbrother. Okay. So he does. Say, he's not Klingon. He's that just, would be weird. He's Paul Servino. <laughs> yeah, he's like brother. He's he's like cutting garlic with a razor and just like fuck. I want Italian food right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the episode where <laughs> Worf's mom gets remarried because <laughs> you said it was a stepbrother. Oh yeah. So like just like Worf isn't liking his new dad. Uh wait. Was it... So Worf was adopted by human parents and they had a kid that was Paul Servino. <laughs> So they adopted Worf. 
So that is that a, is that a step? No, adopted. Oh, what would he be then? Because he was ad- Worf is adopted by the family. So I think technically they're they're just siblings, but it's not biological. Right, right, right. right. Okay, half. I think he said half. Right, because he might have been adopted too. I forget because his hmm. parents, his adopted parents, were Russian, and maybe Paul Servino was like, "Eh, I'm not going to do a Russian accent." And they're like, "Fine, <laughs> we'll say you're also adopted." <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's one of those late. It's like a season seven episode and season seven of Next Generation. I don't know why I'm talking about Star Trek, but like there's good episodes, but there's also like bad episodes. It's a mix. And it's like, uh, we don't have a story. Um, all right. Worf magically has a half brother. Sure. Let's do that episode. Like all of a sudden like, the woodwork came out of like the, the characters had like siblings or people that they're related to, like that we they've never mentioned. It's like the Simpsons when Roy shows up. Right. Yeah. Well, what tangent did we get? Oh, because Kim Kim Cattrall Star Trek. Okay, let's let's reel it back in, Steve. Um, so is it a pass for me? You know, I think there's some interesting uh, canon things that happen. Like it's nice to get the track of like Barney's sobriety, a little history of him, and a little history of Mo. But all in all, I mean, if you're a purist, watch it. But yeah, I think if it's on FXX uh, during a marathon, I, I I would switch channels. Yeah, I think I'm a, I'm in the same way. It's a skip for me. All right, but uh, don't skip us, and especially next week, because we want to find out what we're watching. And to do that, we got the Wheel of Random. Oh, boy. Who's going to tell us our fate. Uh, this week, Steve is going to have to guess the episode title, and if he gets the title correct, that means we can quit this podcast. Um, if he's wrong, then we continue. But he has another chance to have this podcast end. So once I have the real title out, unless of course he gets it right, he has to get the actual plot out. And if he does, then we get to quit. And oh, if he doesn't, yes, let me keep doing this. You understand the score. So let's just bust out that wheel and uh, give it a spin. All right, here we go. Ba-doop. I'm growing ashamed of my penis. We have season 25. Season 25. Alrighty. Let's give it another spin to see which episode we're watching. Episode 19. So season 25, episode 19. Hmm. Okay. 25 or 6 to 4. You were going to say that. Um, can you give me a year? Um, 1953. Okay. Can you give me another year? The one that this episode aired in? Oh, sure. <laughs> Let's go with 2014. 2014. Specifically, April yeah. 27th, 2014. April 27th, 2014. You know, the, the day you submitted your 2012 taxes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone was mad at me. <laughs> Hmm. So let's see. 2014. Ah, I'm going to say that. Um, so they usually take a couple years. So let's look. Let's think about uh, movies from 2012 that they would do. <laughs> I feel like we always go to the movies for a title. I don't think we I know close ones. No, but maybe this is a time. So, OK, uh, this is 40 came out in uh, 2012. 12 so we already do it this is 40 joke yeah we probably did <laughs> uh no we did i think 40 year old virgin maybe no but also uh the musical rock of ages came out so i'm gonna say it's gonna be the rock of a poo is the title of the episode all right well um think about the uh story on your own time yeah but you are um wrong sorry oh, yeah okay. uh, you were close though oh yeah yeah. Uh, what did you say that was again? Rock of a poo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's one R, uh, one O, huh? uh, two C's. 
Okay. No K's. Oh, no kisses. No, uh, no F's. Well, of course, because there's no kisses. Uh, no, no A's. Oh, no, there's one A. Sorry. No, two yeah. A's. Sorry, there's two A's. Just like us. <laughs> two A's. Yeah. Two P's, just like us. Right. And uh, zero U's. Sounds which like is parties uh, in high school. Yeah. No U. Um, so that's how close you are. Okay. And uh, with that, uh, can you guess the title? <laughs> Let me look at my little fortune board. Uh, can I buy an N? There are two N's. Okay. Spin the wheel or solve. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll solve it. Uh, fun in the sun with buns. That's wrong. Uh, sorry, you don't win the money or the new Chevy convertible. Oh. Uh, it's actually called What to Expect When Bart's Expecting. What to Expect When Bart's Expecting. Hmm. Now, what do you think this episode's about? The words make me think of pregnancy because... Makes sense. Expect and expecting. So I'm going to say that Bart, who I know has a history with Shauna, accidentally... <laughs> No. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Okay, fine. Say whatever you want to say. I'm going to say that he kisses Shauna, and then because he's dumb, he thinks that he's gotten her pregnant. And she says things about, like, her back hurting or, like, being sick in the morning that makes him even more worried. But it turns out that, like, she was carrying a heavy thing and then ate a bunch of gummy bears. So she's not actually pregnant, but she's just having, like, the, the pains of being pregnant. And Bart is confused. And then, meanwhile... Uh, Lisa wins the science fair. I I like your story. I thought you were going to get darker, but I like the fact that, you know, little boys think if they kiss a girl, they might get pregnant, which I think is still the case, right? Yeah, as far as I know. Okay. (laughs) I haven't got anybody (laughs) pregnant. You're kind of close. Oh, I, I usually make that. I usually make that joke, but this time I'm I'm kind of being serious because pregnancy is involved, and a, being a dumb ten year old boy also is the reason. Hmm. But sadly, no Shauna. Oh, it's actually um, Bart doesn't like his art class, so he makes a voodoo doll of his art teacher, and then she becomes pregnant. <laughs> okay. so I'm not sure what that means. That maybe Bart fucks the voodoo doll. Or maybe Bart kisses the voodoo doll. I mean, I could read the full story here on the uh, Simpsons.fandom.com, but I'm not going to because we're going to find out what it really means next week. Yeah, that's more fun that way. Um, But also a fit fat Tony kidnaps Bart to conceive a thoroughbred racehorse. So, (laughs) yes. You have to fuck a horse? I don't know. But uh, fit fat Tony, I think that means it's not the original fat Tony because he's dead. And this is the fit fat Tony who's like. Right. Interesting. uh, Yeah. Do you remember this episode? I do not remember (laughs) this episode where Bart somehow with a voodoo doll impregnates both a woman and a horse. Um, Hey, it was directed by uh, the same director of this episode, Matthew Nastuck. Oh, yeah. Um, Written by John Frink. So usually that's uh, that's a good sign. Yeah. We like a Frinky episode. Yeah. Uh, I, too, don't remember this episode. So, uh. Sounds interesting. I'm sure the synopsis is not as good as what the uh, the synopsis are always fun just because yeah. it sounds weird. I mean, if I looked at the IA International Movie Database, their synopsis is different. It just says Bart becomes a, a savior to Springfield couples trying to conceive when he inadvertently uses a voodoo to get his art teacher pregnant. So, yeah, they still imply it there. Hmm. So maybe that's maybe that's what Fit Fat, Fit Fat Tony comes in is like, oh, Bart's voodoo doll is making everyone pregnant. So maybe he could do that with a racehorse. See, I solved it. Oh, I'm sorry. You got it. All right. What do you think of this episode? 
Uh, it was good. I liked it when uh, Bart came on the voodoo doll. Who was your uh, MVJ? I'm going to give it to uh, Johnny okay. Tight Lips. All right. I'm going to give it to uh, Homer because he does something stupid in it. Oh, yeah. When he said no. Yeah. All right. Well, folks out there, drop us a line on our social medias or follow us on social medias like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at 138 Simpsons. And you can always email us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. And hey, if you're so kind, go to your podcatching app and leave us five stars over the equivalent. But you don't need to write a real review. Just uh, tell us which celebrities you've slept with. And if you don't want to write about the celebrities that you've slept with, just call us. It's simple. You just go to your podcatching app, scroll down on the show's notes, and you'll see a little voicemail button there. You click on that and leave us a voicemail and we'll listen to your dirty, dirty laundry. That's right. Oh, hey. I know all this typing and uh, voice talking has made you guys a little antsy. You got money burning in your pocket. Mm-hmm. You'd, uh, give some money away, but you could get something from that. If you go to the TeePublic site, which is tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grunt boys and get a t-shirt or uh, a tote, anything there with uh, our logo on it. That's right. We've sure. got some six Where? designs right now. Right. Yeah, sure. Why not? Sure. All right. So this week I've been annoyed grunt boy Craig. And I've been annoyed grunt boy Steve. And remember... I'll be back. You ain't tasted the last of my spit. This just in. I'm pissed off. We must wait for God to jack us.